JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. And here we go. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw. Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shotgun snap to Taylor. Taylor bullies his way across the goal line. Touchdown. The Colts get a score on their first possession of the game. He's in the pistol formation. Hands off to Robinson. Left. Gets out of the the initial tackle. Big gaping hole. Down inside Colts territory at the 30. He's at the 25-yard line. Wrapped up and then shoved out of bounds by Juju Brintz around the 24. Heineke looking left. Bobbing and weaving in the pocket. Takes a shot for the end zone. Easy catch. And a touchdown for Kyle. Pitts, who got behind the Colts secondary for a 24-yard touchdown. Taylor Heineke in trouble, and he is going to be tracked down. It's Quiddy Pay. The Colts have just established a new Indianapolis era single-season team sack record. Back in the throw, Minshew in the pocket. It's getting muddied, and he is going to be brought down. Almost a horse collar tackle. He was sacked by the shoulder pads by Caden Ellis. First and 10 at the 31-yard line. They sweep it right side of the boundary oh, at Algier. Cuts it up. He's got a first down and more. Down he the scored. far sideline he goes. He's at the 5, and he will score. A 31-yard run by Tyler Algier. Colts today are just 5 out of 12 on third down. Ball on the right hash. Blitz again. In the pocket. Feeling pressure. Heaves it downfield. Looking for Alec Pierce. Throws it up. And it's intercepted at the 50-yard line. This is Jesse Bates. Gets up off the turf. And on the return, swipe down around the 41-yard line. Final score here this afternoon on Christmas Eve in Atlanta. It's the Falcons 29 and the Indianapolis Colts 10. Man, that sucked. Brian No in for JMV. Hopefully that doesn't suck. I, I know. I, I know it does for some people out there. But, hey, we'll have some fun here today. Day after Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there. 
you know, I don't know why I'm in these positions oftentimes where they ask me to fill in and the Colts just sucked. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, gosh, I, the fill-in guy has to tell the Colts fans about how the Colts sucked a couple of days ago. You know what I mean? It's just, why couldn't they have won by, like, three touchdowns against the Falcons or had a home game and they did awesome? Or, no, no, they had to go and, and lose by 19 points against the Falcons. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my best to be fair and not turn the Colts into a pinata. You know what I mean? Because they do have a winning record, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs with their backup quarterback. That, that's pretty good, all things considered. I just heard Stephen Holder on with Jake Query, and he was like, this is all gravy. And he's right. The Colts lost their starting quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and all of a sudden, they've got a winning record and they've got a shot to make the postseason. This is all gravy. But with that being said, they are right here. And you'd hate to see them miss out on an opportunity that's right in front of them. So if you dive into the game against the Falcons, it really comes down to this. Very simplistically, not enough offense, not enough defense. If you dive in a little bit closer, obviously you see the loss of Michael Pittman Jr. and what it means for the Colts' offense. It's night and day. The difference with their offense, how it functions, how it looks, how it feels, the matchups that they can exploit. There's old reliable number 11 over there. There's sticks, you know? When in doubt, scramble around a little bit, throw it to sticks. You know, he's going to be there. And you didn't have that luxury on Sunday against the Falcons. And that absolutely had a huge effect on their overall offense. Now, defensively, this is where I really look at. And we'll circle back to the running game. I'm not going to let the offensive line off the hook. But if we look at the defense, this is where I look even closer. Because you're not going up against a juggernaut offensive squad in the Falcons who just benched Desmond Ritter for the second time this season, and they're like, okay, bring in Heineke again, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't, right? This is not a high-powered offense. And they gained over 400 yards. They gained over 400 yards against the Colts. There have been six times that the Falcons didn't reach 300 yards this season. Two of those six times... They didn't reach 200 yards of total offense. So this is not a, a juggernaut of an offensive squad. When you have games in the NFL where your total yardage starts with a one, like you've got issues. Not even reaching 300 yards. Just think about that for a second. If you gain, let's say, 80 yards on the ground, that, that's not great. You would need 220 through the air. In today's NFL, that is not that much to ask. So an offense in the Falcons that has failed to reach 300 total yards in six different games this season, how are the Colts giving up 400 yards to them? And I know it was in the rain the week prior, but guess what? Teams can still move the ball in the rain in the NFL. As long as the wind isn't blowing like 40 miles per hour, you can move the ball. And yet the Falcons, the previous week, they they didn't do anything against Carolina. That was the 9-7 to loss. They had 204 yards of total offense. 
They almost doubled that against the Colts. And it was chunk yards, too. Bijan Robinson, by the way, side note, I don't know why we've gotten away from Bijan. I like Bijan Robinson more. It's turned into Bijan, whatever. We'll roll with it. Bijan Robinson, he's been hit or miss this season. He was hit against the Colts. Had a very good game, running the ball, catching the ball out of the backfield, over 100 yards from scrimmage. And that Falcons running game collectively, 30 rushes for a buck 77 and a touchdown. That was nearly six yards per carry. That's just way too much. Way too much right there. Now, if you circle back to the Colts running game, if you're comparing it side by side to the Falcons running game, I don't understand the Colts offensive line. I just don't. You want to talk about hit or miss throughout the season. There are games where you're like, ah, freaking nice. Move the ball right down the opponent's throat. They couldn't do anything about it. And then there are games where it's like, yep, it's just going to be one of those games. You can't run it consistently. Now, 92 yards on the ground. It's not dreadful, but it's like they got pushed around consistently against the Falcons. And I just don't understand that. You go back to the first drive of the game for the Colts. The only touchdown that they scored all day. They had the ball at the one-yard line after a pass interference penalty on A.J. Terrell. They give it to Jonathan Taylor. Stuffed. They give it to J.T. again. Stuffed. They give it to him another time on third down. He barely gets in. And that was a glimpse into, oh, man, they're going to load up against the rush. There's no Michael Pittman Jr. And Gardner Minshew's just going to have to beat them with number twos. Right? You're going to have to beat them with their second best punch because the Falcons, who do have a good defensive line, they just said, hey, no Pittman Jr., you beat us with the other guys that you got throwing the ball. And that was a really good approach. It's just when you look at the Colts game by game, running the ball, I I really don't have an explanation for it. I've got expletives. I don't have an explanation, though. (laughs) If you go back the beginning of the year, So, week one, 65 yards on the ground. Okay, whatever. First game of the year. Next four games, over 100 yards. The fourth game in a row where they were over 100 yards, they ran for 193 against the Titans. Very next week against Jacksonville, Jacksonville shuts them down again. Only 44 yards rushing. Okay, all right. Next couple of games against the Browns, 168. Against the Saints, 164. It's like, okay. We're back in business. Then, oh gosh, horror story I have for you. They rushed for 78 yards against the Carolina Panthers. I'll circle back to a a bet gone wrong, but I, I know you don't really care about that, so we'll just keep it going. Next week, across the pond against the Patriots, 70 yards rushing. You're like, okay, they're back to not being able to run the football anymore. After the bye week against Tampa, they rushed for 155. Okay, next week at Tennessee, 55 yards. Then the next week at Cincinnati, 46 yards on the ground. 46. That's a drive in some games. (laughs) For the game, 46. Then next week against the Steelers, a buck 71. And then Sunday against the Falcons, they're back to under, under 100 yards with 92. I don't get them. 
And to circle back to a bet I had, so my birthday's November 4th. I, um, I was filling in here on the fan, actually. And my guy, Jimmy, I'm sorry, my former friend, Jimmy Cook, he misled me. He, this is where our friendship went off the rails, you know? He was like, Tyreek Hill scoring a touchdown against his former team? It's Lock City, baby. Just write it down. It's happening. <laughs> I'm like, you know, Jimbo, you got a good point right there. I could see that happening. And so I, I bet on Tyreek Hill to score a touchdown. Uh, didn't work out against the Chiefs in Germany. And so I'm like, oh, shoot. I got to try to to recoup some of the lost wages right there. And I had some free bets. It's a long story. I won't bore you. So I had numerous legs of a parlay. And the last leg, everything hit. The last leg was Jonathan Taylor's rushing yardage against the Carolina Panthers on November 5th, the day after my birthday. Okay? And I'm like, all right, JT, we just need you, buddy. Just need to get to, I think it was 70 yards rushing. First drive, beginning of the game, had like five rushes for 25 yards. He's racking up yards left and right to begin the game. And then the next thing you know, the Colts can't run the ball. They cannot run it to save their lives. And the parlay came undone. (laughs) It was like, I had... I, I don't know about a I think about a thousand dollars in bets. If that last leg hit, I would have won eight thousand dollars. But it didn't work out. So I understand, trust me, as a non Colts fan, I've grown up rooting for the Dolphins. I've been fins up for life. But as a non Colts fan, I see this misery from the Colts point of view, the inconsistency running the football. It's just strange. I don't understand how the offensive line some days looks great. Other days, it's like, yep, they just can't block them. Against the Carolina Panthers. Going back to November 5th, this is, what, week 9. We're heading into week 17 next Sunday. But in week 9, they start off great, and then they just were like, yeah, we can't block them. Jonathan Taylor's getting met at the line of scrimmage time and time again in the second half. They just couldn't block. So I, I don't get it. I don't understand that Colts offensive line where sometimes it looks great, sometimes it looks hideous. Now, if you look at the playoff picture, if you focus on that, not all is lost for the Colts. It sucks that they lost to the Falcons, obviously, but they're still in the mix. Right now, they are a playoff team. They're the seven seed right now if the playoffs were today. Of course, they're not, and there's work to be done But that's where they are right now. I ran across an interesting stat. And it might end up helping the Colts. Maybe. So if you look at last season, four, I'm sorry, three of the 14 playoff teams had a losing record on the road. Only three of the 14 playoff teams. That was my Dolphins, who were three and six. Jacksonville was four and five. Tampa had a losing record on the road. Okay? So those were the teams. And it's weird. I'm, I was like rechecking my stats. Tampa was 3-5 and five on the road. And I'm like, wait a minute. How can that be? How can Tampa be 3-5 and five and the Dolphins 3-6? and six? Because of the 17 games 
one conference plays one more road game than the other conference. So those numbers are right. It was the Dolphins, Jacksonville, and Tampa. They had losing records on the road, yet still made the playoffs. So think about that. 11 teams on the road were at least 500 or had a winning record. It's rare to sneak into the playoffs with a losing road record. Two years ago, in 2021, there was only one team that did it. Snuck into the playoffs with a losing record on the road. That was the Steelers. They were 3-5. and five. That was the last year of Big Ben. So if you look at the playoff chase this season, if you look at the AFC, there are a couple of teams, at least in the running to make the playoffs, that have a losing record on the road. Right now, it's Cleveland. Pretty interesting, right? They're ten and five. They're three and four on the road. Now, ten and five, I they would have to fall apart, and a lot of things would have to happen around them for them not to make the playoffs. They host the Jets on Thursday, so you win that game, they're in. So most likely, this won't come back to bite them. But if you look right ahead of the Colts, Buffalo. Now, Buffalo's coming on strong down the stretch, but they're 3-4 and four on the road. They host the Patriots this Sunday, and the following week, they're at Miami. Depending on how it shakes out in terms of seeding, and that might be an important game for the Dolphins. That might be for the division. If the Dolphins lose at Baltimore and the Bills beat the Patriots, That game next week, Bills at Dolphins, would be for the AFC East. That could be a significant game. Buffalo's 3-4 and on the road so far. So maybe they drop another game on the road, and that could help the Colts. You also look at who's just behind the Colts, the Texans. The Texans are 3-4 and on the road. And, oh, what do you know? Their Week 18 game, final game of the season at Indianapolis. So that's something to keep in mind as well. The Colts on the road, five and three. Five and three on the road. Not great as of late as of late. <laughs> the last two road games have been freaking brutal. But they're five and three over the course of the season on the road. But the last two games at the Falcons lose by nineteen. At the Bengals, they got manhandled in that one as well. So it's it's uh, it's weird. It's a mixed bag. They lose by nineteen to the Falcons, lose by twenty against the Bengals. But playoff picture-wise, something to keep in mind, some of these teams that haven't fared well on the road this season that currently have a losing record, if you look at their road games, hey, maybe that could end up helping the Colts from here on out. And the Colts, they finish at home each of the next two weeks against the Raiders and then against those Texans. Uh, Something else I want to hit on, at the beginning of the show here. Brian Noen for JMV. Uh, James with us here. My guy, uh, James Adams. I, you know, In a couple of minutes, I've got some good news and some bad news. But I want to get to this first. Lamar Jackson, okay? Lamar Jackson played great last night against the 49ers. The Ravens won the game. And... Lamar's probably in line to win MVP. He's the odds-on favorite to win another MVP. Would be the second time he's done that in his career. And so I'm I'm thinking about Lamar, MVP, yada, yada. And, and then I get a text from Todd Meyer. Huh? 
my guy, one of the suits here at the fan. And he was like, hey, man, can you fill in? You good? And I'm like, yeah, I got you. And so I started thinking about Lamar from a Colts point of view. And the Colts were one of many teams that didn't truly pursue Lamar Jackson in the offseason. Remember, Lamar requested a trade, said, get me out of here. Most people think it was a negotiating tactic, which it was. But the point is this, whether it's a tactic or not, there weren't teams that pursued Lamar Jackson. Let me ask you this. If Patrick Mahomes said, you know what, I'm requesting a trade, do you think teams would have pursued the possibility of acquiring Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. So this idea that, well, the Ravens weren't just going to let him go, there still would be teams inquiring about the top, top guys, right? And there was a, not really a Twitter exchange, but a couple of tweets or posts on X, however you get down. Rich Eisen posted this about Lamar. Now think about this from a Colts point of view. He wrote, seeing a lot of teams, quote unquote, passed on Lamar this past spring takes here. Okay, so a lot of people posting this, hey, and they they passed on Lamar in the offseason. So Rich is pushing back on this. Eisen wrote, one, he was never a free agent. You would have had to give the Ravens two number one picks to sign him if the Ravens would not match the offer. Two, the Ravens were never going to let him go. That is all. Adam Schefter added to it and wrote this. That is not all. Ravens never were approached. Carolina traded multiple ones for Bryce Young yet no team ever tried to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson. There never was a team that challenged it once Jackson himself publicly stated he wanted out of Baltimore. Lost opportunity. So the thing becomes this. If you had to do it all over again, would you, would you have wanted to see the Colts make a push for Lamar to the point where they got Lamar. Okay, suspend reality for a second. What Eisen wrote might be true. The Ravens were never going to let him go. But I think you have to to keep this in mind. The reason the Ravens dragged their feet for so long was because Lamar gave them a lot of reasons to drag their heels. Okay, Lamar... I know it's, oh, you fast forward to the here and now, and he's an MVP candidate, and they just beat the Niners, and wow, the Ravens are the one seed, and how could these teams pass on Lamar Jackson? Let's rewind to that point in time during the offseason, okay? Lamar Jackson had come off of two injury-plagued seasons. He was not around for the playoffs last season against the Bengals, and They had a good chance to win that game. They almost won with Tyler Huntley, their backup. No Lamar Jackson. Missed a a bunch of games down the stretch. Missed the playoff game. The previous two seasons, Lamar Jackson, we're talking 2021 and 2022. Touchdowns to interceptions, 33 to 20. You know Ryan Tannehill the last two seasons, what he was? 34 and 20. Lamar Jackson was living on the Ryan Tannehill cul-de-sac, okay? They were in the same zip code. They were neighbors. Lamar was walking out, taking his trash to the curb, going, hey, Tannehill, hey, what's up? They were neighbors, okay? 
So Lamar's numbers were down. His injuries were up. And we're talking about maybe a Deshaun Watson-like fully guaranteed deal. And from a Colts perspective, on top of that, you would have had to give up two first-round draft picks. So if you rewind back to that time, it is not crazy that the Colts, nor nor any other team, said, ah, that's <laughs> a little rich. To be fair, the Ravens were going, ah, that's a little rich in terms of a monstrous contract extension, and we don't even have to give up two first-round picks. So... I know right now we're like, how could these teams have passed on Lamar? If you look at where it was at that time, it makes a lot more sense. Now, to be fair, it can swing the other way. Lamar is a dynamic talent. And if blessed with better health, yeah, he is fully capable of turning in a season like this. But I can understand why teams said, eh, but we could draft Anthony Richardson and put him on a rookie deal and not have to give up two first-round picks and not have to pay him over $200 million. I get it. I understand why that was the outcome for the Colts. You also go back hot tub time machine. Chris Ballard in the offseason, he expressed that the Colts are going to do their due diligence. Ah, When you have a talent as great as Lamar Jackson, of course we're going to look into that and yada, yada. And Jim Ursay, he said, hey, look, money isn't the problem, is what he said. He was like, it's not so much about money. You know, read between the lines. I got that. <laughs> Ursay's like, we, we got this. No problem. Um, it was compensation. It was the two first-round picks that uh, the Colts would have had to give up for Lamar. So I find that to be pretty interesting. Simple question. As a Colts fan, If the Colts could have made the deal happen with Lamar Jackson, to Schefter's point, the Panthers gave up numerous draft picks, including two first-round picks, including what might be the number one overall pick in the 2024 draft for Bryce Young. If that team was willing to give up that for Bryce Young, how could a team not give that up for Lamar Jackson? If you could do it all over again, would you want the Colts to have Lamar right here, right now, paying him through the roof, giving up two first-round picks, or would you rather just stick with Anthony Richardson? I think a lot of fans, because it's not a realistic question, we don't have a hot tub time machine, we can't go back in time, we can't make this a reality. So I don't think you can really make your brain think that way. You know, and most fans just go back to the default of, ah, just stick with what we got. And it's like, okay, what do you have exactly? We don't know. To be fair, I'm skeptical. Anthony Richardson was inconsistent in college, didn't have a whole lot of college starts. He's been a walking medicine cabinet. If we're talking about Lamar Jackson being banged up, Anthony Richardson has been banged up to the nth degree. He didn't finish three of the four games he started. So it's like, if you could have made it happen with Lamar, I absolutely would have made that made that happen. Uh, but the Colts weren't there, and they are where they are. To be fair, also, something to keep in mind, the Colts roster 
right now is not where the Ravens roster is. Even if you take Lamar off the Ravens, put him on the Colts, I don't think the Colts roster-wise are a true contender. Not yet. But Lamar on the Ravens, they are. You take that into account as well. And maybe you would say, you know, let's take our shot with Anthony Richardson here. Uh, Your comment's more than welcome. Curious what you think. Right around the corner, Greg Rakeshaw uh, will join the show. Get his take on that. Also, I was thinking about this. Who are the three most valuable Colts this season? You think about Pittman Jr. missing against the Falcons. Obviously made a huge difference. Where would this team be without Gardner Minshew? Imagine if Minshew went down. What are you doing then? Uh, So curious if he takes anybody from the defensive side of the ball. The three most valuable Colts this season. We'll see what Rakestraw has to say on that. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Keep it locked right here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV here on The Fan. want to welcome in Greg Rakestraw, host of the Colts postgame show. It's from the ISC Sports Network. You know, um, Rake, myself and James, we're big metal guys. And uh, we just come back with uh, I'm Broken from Pantera. And I got to ask, where does metal rank for you on the uh, like the genre scale? Like, where do you slot it? Do you put it number one or is it like fourth between, I don't know, whatever you get down with, yacht rock and, uh, you know, blues? I don't know. Where do you rate metal? Ahead of yacht rock and blues um, <laughs> behind hip hop and R&B. So it would be on the podium but I'm not sure in the gold medal position. How about that? That's pretty good. You know, I'll settle for the podium. In this day and age, podium for medal? I'll take that every single time. Some people have it in their, their bottom podium, if there is such a thing. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, oh, gosh, so, I freaking hate it. So in my generation, you know, sophomore year is when Nirvana happened. So I, I, was, I was getting the very end of ACDC with Razor's Edge before everything took a flannel direction from a rock standpoint. So grew up around a lot of metal, occasionally spun some Pantera at my days at another radio station in town while I was just cutting my teeth in sports talk radio. So the last time I played a music DJ, it was alternative rock with a, a twinge of metal mixed in. Wow. Okay. Do you remember some of the Pantera songs you played? Um, I'm embarrassed myself if I name a song that's that's not uh, Pantera. Walk is Pantera, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure you played okay, that good. one. Yeah, I was having a nervous moment going, uh, "Dancing Mother." Hey, that's not Pantera. <laughs> that's right. So yeah. Thankfully, at least I named a Pantera song. <laughs> no, no doubt. Okay, so hey, listen, if we dive into the Colts, um, I, I was thinking about this. Well, well, we'll start with this: the offensive line. 
What is up with the Colts offensive line where I know Pittman Jr. was out and that had a dramatic effect on the Colts offense collectively, including the running game. But if you go game by game, there are times where the Colts run it with great success. There are games where they can't run it a lick. Why has it been so inconsistent with them up front? I'm not sure. It's not sure it's as much offensive line play as it is. I think this team, when they're successful, does so from a scheme standpoint. I, I really think that it's a lot of game plan, a lot of play design. Um, the obvious answer is also Braden Smith not being there. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, this is kind of a rough matchup when Blake, Blake, when, uh, Blake Freeland is out there, who's done some good things and has to do a lot as a rookie, probably has played more as a rookie uh, than was expected. Um, obviously, Ryan Kelly's been out of the lineup a couple of different times. You know, due to injury, Ryman has had more good than bad, has had some bad at, at times this year as well. Um, I do think the Pittman absent, uh, you know, uh, his absence was massive in this game because basically Atlanta is going to load up seven or eight in the box and say, okay, we don't think your other wide receivers can do damage. Where once you have a Pittman on the field, you're probably pulling one guy out of, out of the linebacker defensive line level to be able to make plays. So this team has been up and down like that. I think it's because it's what they are. They're an average football team. Sometimes you see greatness, sometimes you don't. But I do think that the Pittman absence very much had a cascading effect on everything on the offensive side of the ball on Sunday afternoon. No, I absolutely agree with you on that. How about, uh, it's a little outside the box, but Lamar Jackson last night did his thing against the 49ers, might win his second MVP. And Adam Schefter over the weekend put out an interesting tweet about how the Ravens were never approached by another team when he made his trade request and threw out there that Carolina traded multiple first-round picks for Bryce Young, yet no one made a serious push to trade two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. If you look at that from the Colts' point of view, do you look and say, ah, man, that was a missed opportunity? Or do you say, for whatever reason or reasons, nah, that wouldn't have been the right move to make? Culture at a reload point in terms of because the, the, the rotating door had been there so much the last six years, this franchise had to go get a young quarterback. Then that young quarterback gets hurt four or five weeks in. And again, what this group has done without him has been – if not remarkable, it's certainly been surprising. You know, I, I thought the television broadcast was great in saying, you know, with this being the year of the backup quarterback, no backup quarterback had more wins this year than Gardner Minshew heading into Sunday. But big picture, even if a, even a player like Lamar Jackson, once you had gone through the turnstiles of Jacoby Brissett, of uh, Phillip Rivers, of Carson Wentz, of Matt Ryan, it was like, hey, you need to get a guy that's going to be here long term. And for as great as the Lamar show has been, the knock on him the last couple, three years has been not playing this time of year or not playing in the playoffs due to health reasons. Thankfully for him and the Ravens, that's not been the case so far this year. I frankly hope for him and the Ravens that continues. Um, it's, It's the only logic I can make of no team taking a flyer on that deal. But at the same time, it's also not surprising because I've always thought that draft picks, you know, you want to say in one sense they're overvalued in this league. Then again, look at the quagmire the Carolina Panthers are in, where you make a trade for the number one pick, and now you don't have 
that number one pick the next year, and you think you're setting your franchise back years. So, but the, the best example, Brian, I can give you of the value of draft picks and the way that draft picks tend to be overvalued, in my in my estimation, Marshall Falk got a return of a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. <laughs> Marshall freaking Falk got a second-round pick and a fifth-round pick. Tells you the draft picks can be a little bit overvalued at times. That's crazy, too, again, from a Colts perspective, how it's shook out so far where the Panthers, they make the move they make. They trade all of that compensation, maybe including the number one overall pick in the 24 draft. Meanwhile, in the same division as the Colts, the Texans stand pat at number two overall, and we have more answers about C.J. Stroud at this point than we do Anthony Richardson. Why couldn't it have worked the other way around? Where I don't the Texans move up or the Panthers move up for C.J. Stroud, and the Texans have Bryce Young. Like that, that sucked the way it worked out from the Colts at least one and two in that draft, right? Well, you, you kind of knew that the Colts had to get to one because they weren't getting to two, and this was the year. When there wasn't, when when the thought, hey, there's two really good quarterbacks, and then there is what Anthony Richardson is, and then there was the drop to Will Levis. It was the, the Houston Texans had the easiest spot in the draft. It was, hey, we'll take whichever guy you're not going to take. You, you 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 claim the guy that you want, whether that's the Bears, whether that's whether that's the the Panthers that moved in. So when it was thought, hey, if you really want to get up to one to get your guy. You knew you couldn't get up to two. Um, again, even in a small sample size, I think Richardson can really play. I think we saw enough in the minimal amount of time he played. He wanted to play more, of course you did. There's going to be more growing pains next year because he didn't play enough. But the sample size to me was big enough to know he never looked overwhelmed by anything. Um, Stroud can really play. I, I think we knew that going in. But I think the Colts were content to sit there at four and felt whether Richardson was their guy or somebody else fell to him, as long as they got that quarterback they felt they could build around, they'd be okay with that. And I do think that's the way it's played out. He's Greg Rakestraw joining us here on The Fan. How about with Michael Pittman Jr.? Missing yesterday with the concussion issue. Uh, was cleared but had a headache, so was sat out. And the Colts offense, you could see the effect of not having him out there. Do you think that makes it more likely that they re-up with him in the offseason? Oh, I think we have long since passed that point. Uh, he's he's going to be back here, even if that means they have to franchise tag him, which I, which I don't think they will. I mean, you know, you kind of got to that point with Jonathan Taylor, but JT still had another year left to play out. Uh, Michael Pittman does not. And so um, given the year that he has had, he was fourth in the league in receptions going into that game um he has been the ultimate tough guy in terms of getting tough catches you know picking up yards uh moving the chains no i i i think sunday magnifies his importance to this team but uh, i i think we had long since passed the point of he is unquestionably a number one receiver and he's clearly chris ballard's mo has been to pay his own and so I think Michael Pittman Jr. is getting a new deal at some point in time this offseason. Interesting. So yesterday you might have said no effect. They were going to get him get that done regardless? Or do you say that just strengthens it even more? 
No, I mean, I, again, I, 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 you, you've already checked the box. <laughs> that, yeah. that box has been checked numerous times during the course of the season. What that, what that did is just give you. I mean, let's face it. You know, we're we're a day past Christmas. So, um, you know, what was it? The uh, you know the Christmas past, Christmas future. That would be what Christmas future looks like without Michael Pittman. Nobody likes that dream. Make sure you bring him back next year. Are you a fan of the movie Ghost of Girlfriends Past? Have you seen that one? I, I, I thankfully can claim that I have not seen that one. I'm probably better for it. You know what? Uh, it's not bad. I got to be honest with you. One of those rom-coms, pretty good flick, Greg. You know, if you lose a bet or something and have to see it, in your back pocket you might be thinking, that's not a loss at all. Because my guy, no, vouched for it. It's really not that bad, I'm telling you. Okay, maybe our music taste might be, might be more similar than our movie taste, let's put it that way. <laughs> All right, um, how about this? I was thinking the three most valuable Colts this season. We saw the effect of no Pittman Jr. yesterday. Where would this team be if Minshew went down, right? Like, right. So do you have Pittman Jr. and Minshew in your top three? And if so, who's the third uh, Colts player that you have is the most valuable? You could make an argue, uh, somewhat of an argument for Grover Stewart for the time that he missed yeah. and what it meant to the run defense. Now, that being said, the run defense wasn't too great with him you know, in, in the game on Sunday. So maybe you would say Zaire Franklin. Maybe you'd put EJ Speed in that. But clearly, I, I think Minshew and Pittman go one-two uh, because of how things have played out this year. Yeah, right. Um, what's the deal with the Colts? Do you have more questions about the Colts' offensive line or the Colts' defense at times where uh, that game against the Falcons, they were good in spurts, and then you look up and you're like, they gave up 400 yards to the Falcons. Right. I, which do you, which are you scratching your head more by the defense collectively or that offensive line? What I would say is this: is there there is a higher bar for the offensive line. Again, having a rookie right tackle did not help you, uh, and I realize that Freeland's played a lot this year, but but he's the backup for a reason. Braden Smith is a guy who extended a couple of years ago for a reason. His absence is is a difference maker for this team. And the other thing I would say is this, when you didn't have Pittman in the game, you didn't have Zach Moss in the game, this is not a team that has a great deal of margin for error. Big picture, this is still still part of a build. Um, I want to see them be a, be a playoff team. They obviously have it in their control. You win those last two games, most every scenario points to this team being a, a playoff team. And I've said all year long, I think 10 gets you in, and that's exactly the scenario that could play out here. But still, big picture, you are in the midst of a rebuild. And so it's far from a perfect team. There, 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 there's, some, there's some areas of the team you feel great about. There's some areas of this team you don't feel great about or you know you have to add to. Like you've got to add wide receiver depth. You've got to add more cornerback depth. You know, you, you, you're going to be young at quarterback, quarterback going in, and then, you know, Dallas Flowers gets hurt and you're playing – you know, you're, you're playing rookie, rookie on, on, on both sides. Now you're young at the safety position because of Julian Blackman getting hurt on Sunday as well. In other words, this is not a finished product. So you're going to have some cases of two or three steps forward and two or three steps back. I, I think it's just kind of the, the nature of this team. Hopefully you win these last two games, be a playoff team, and carry that momentum into the offseason. But you have to acknowledge, again, this is – this is probably a middle-of-the-pack football team. And so because of that, 
You're going to have some high points, and you're going to have some low points, and we've seen all of that over the course of the last three weeks for this football team. Greg Rakestraw joining us here on The Fan. Last one for you. You mentioned the movie thing. I, I just have to get a sense of where your head is. Your personal top five movies. You're not making a claim that this this movie is in the top. No, just your personal top five list. What are a couple of the movies in your top five? Well, usually I, I like to think of things in like box sets. So somewhere like if I could pick a favorite five of the Fast and Furious maybe. You know, maybe like even in odds, because there have been like 38 of those movies at this point. Uh, or like the entire Police Academy set. Um, but maybe to bring it back to the conversation we've been having, I would throw rounders in there at some point. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Because we need to get to Teddy KGB time for Michael Pittman Jr. Oh, man, Pay no that doubt. Man. Yeah. Pay that man his money. That's the way he's played <laughs> so far this year. Hanging around, hanging around, yeah. Oh, Rounders is a tremendous call by you. Very nice. And are you go? You go odd or even on the Fast and Furious movies? Odd? Actually, actually, I go the first one, and I'm good. I think I figured out the plot <laughs> one from the first one. So, um, there, there, there was an age where I used to travel on the road to the radio with IUPUI, and this is before the days everybody has their own personal, you know, DVD player, which then morphed into watching your phone or downloading stuff, whatever the case may be. In other words, you know, we would have like a, a, a VCR or a, or, or a DVD player like at the front of the bus. And so it was like a fight as to what movies you're going to watch on the bus. So uh, the beginning of the Fast and Furious series was during that time for me. So I think having seen the first one a couple of times on bus trips, I think I was good for the rest of the entire catalog. Let's put it that way. Man, that's funny. Well, hey, good stuff, Ray. Great to catch up with you, man. Happy holidays, and hope to talk to you again sometime soon. You got it, Brian. Take care. All right, you too. There he is, Greg Rakestraw, host of the Colts postgame show from the ISC Sports Network. Yeah, man, that's funny. I was just thinking, I haven't watched many of the Fast and Furious movies. I saw the first one. I wonder if a diehard Fast and Furious fan could tell you, you know, a couple of sentences of each plot depending on the number of the movie. You know what I mean? If you're like, uh, Fast and Furious 6, what happened? And they're like, oh, uh, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Or they're just like, ah, it just kind of all runs together. You know? I would like to, know, <laughs> I'd like to know from a Fast and Furious fan if they can tell. From a sports perspective, as a kid, I used to be able to recite you know how Sean McVay sometimes have, has a photographic memory where it's like, all right, uh, Rams, you were hosting uh, Cleveland in week six, four years ago or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, the first play of the third quarter. Yeah, it was a fake to the running back. It was a rollout. That's how I used to be with Super Bowls. Now, if someone's like, hey, the Super Bowl from seven years ago, what are a few things that happened? I might have to sit down and really think about what happened. I, I wonder if people are like that with movies. Uh, you ever do that? Last thing, real fast. You ever rewatch a movie and it's like you're seeing it for the first time? I've done that more often these days, too. I, my memory is hit or miss. Hit or miss. Okay, Brad Spielberger will be with us from PFF at the top of the hour, right around the corner. Um, some metal news for James. You're not going to want to miss that. And um, also, oh, just an absolute gangster move by an entire league. We'll get to that as well. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. Keep it locked right here on, 
on uh, The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV. Man, uh, kind of feel for the NBA. Christmas Day used to be their day. Five games, like it is the NBA's showcase. There used to be all kinds of conversations that the season should start on Christmas Day. And now that has completely gone away. The NFL has moved in. And like Debo and Friday, they're like, we'll be taking this cold chain from you and there's nothing you can do about it. The NFL with the triple header yesterday. And of course, it would feature a pair of 11-3 and three teams in the nightcap with the Ravens and the Niners, both one seeds at the time and still one seeds. Uh, it, it, that it could not have worked out better for the NFL or worse for the NBA. And I'm a huge NBA guy. And I'll get you some numbers in the next hour, but ratings-wise, I would compare it like this. I'll put it in radio terms. It would be like being a big deal in a, a local market. You know, some of these local hosts are huge deals. JMV is a big, big deal in Indy. It would be like JMV being at the fan, being as well-respected, as well-received as he is, and the fan just going out and hiring Pat McAfee. You know what I mean? And it's just like, oh, shoot, that kind of that changes things, man. Like <laughs> that's, that's what it is. The NBA is like the big-time local radio star, and the NFL is like... Pat McAfee, and especially in Indianapolis, if he was hired at the fan, that would be a huge, huge deal. And it's like, oh, wow, gosh, that changes everything right there. It's crazy how that works out. But the ratings, I'll get you some of that stuff in the next hour. It's staggering what the ratings look like. I told you this. I had some metal news. I know the metalhead stuck around for this. But, James, you uh, played some Pantera a little bit earlier. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just saw this random Pantera video the other night. And uh, the guys are telling stories and all this. Terry Date, he was the producer mm-hmm. of the album Vulgar, Vulgar Display of Power. Yeah. But at the end of Effing Hostile, right? Yeah. He said after Phil screams the end part, he throws the microphone down and it went into a trash can with a bunch of barbecue sauce in it. And the mic started feeding back. And I'm sure you know the end of that song, that little distortion, the... That's Phil Gronk spiking the mic (laughs) into a trash can of barbecue sauce. That's awesome. How's that for a metal story, huh? That is great. That's a great way to end the song right there. Absolutely. I love that they're like, you know what? Let's keep that part. Keep it in. Keep it in. (laughs) (laughs) It's gold. That's awesome. Um, And by the way, listen, this is more of like um, 
I don't know, like an off-season type thing. But I was curious, talking about movies with Greg Rakestraw, in your top five, James, if you just throw out a couple in your personal top five, what's in yours? Uh, let's see. Die Hard, I think, is definitely in okay. there. Uh, there. Monty yeah. Python and the Holy Grail, Airplane, uh-huh. that's another great one. Um, those are the those are definitely, I think, the top three. After that, it gets a little bit hard for me to start thinking of them off the top of my head. But definitely, uh, Die Hard, Airplane, um, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Okay, I go more action. If okay. I go with a comedy, I love The Hangover. I can watch that that's over a solid and over. One. That's it's, a solid one. It's so great, but. The action films love Training Day. I love That's a Training good Day. Yeah, and then like Goodfellas, Gladiator, Braveheart, stuff like that. That would be in my personal top five right there. Good choices. Good choices all Not around. Bad. I think. Yeah. Is there one where you're like, how in the hell can you put that movie there? Nothing. It's a pretty solid top five. For I think you. it's pretty solid. I mean, I'm not the biggest Braveheart fan, but it's a fun <laughs> movie. It's not like my anywhere near my top ten or top five or anything, but it's a it's a fun movie. You know what? I have a Braveheart comparison with an NBA head coach that was very whiny yesterday. You know, I'll get that to you in the next hour. I'm going to see if you're being 100 percent honest if you buy it or sell it. Uh, but we'll do that coming up around the corner. First, though, let's get to let's talk some uh, ball here. With Brad Spielberger, he's from PFF. Going to break it all down, Colts perspective, around the league. We'll have some fun with Brad right around the corner. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. Keep it locked right here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Get him a body bag! Yeah! (laughs) 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV here on The Fan. We'll get to Brad Spielberger coming up here shortly from PFF, breaking things down statistically. I love that. I'm curious. There's got to be somebody, well, multiple players in the NFL, where I always like this, where the numbers say this player is a lot better than their reputation would lead you to believe. Where Brad might say, hey, believe it or not, you know, insert the blank quarterback. Pretty good, actually, right? <laughs> Whoever that happens to be. And I love the opposite also, where it's like this guy has a pretty good reputation around the league, but man, the numbers say he stinks this year. I love that type of stuff. So we'll get to that with Brad. He's with us right now. Brad Spielberger from PFF joins us here on Brian No in for JMV on the fan. Brad, what's going on, man? Was it a Merry Christmas for you? Do you celebrate the holidays in grand fashion? Uh, not not too grand, but yeah, it was a Merry Christmas on my end. You know, I'm getting old now, so I got some cool socks. That was the highlight of the uh, of the festivities. How about yourself? Uh, it was great. You know, we went uh, we went conservative as far as the gift giving this year. Where my girlfriend, she just has a, a funny game where you buy a good gift. You know, like. or less, and then like a gag gift, something that's just silly and funny. 
And so you roll the dice. There are numerous rounds. You steal presents. You trade presents. This whole thing. And I ended up with two decks of playing cards. That, that, were, that were my <laughs> Christmas gifts. Two decks of playing cards right there. So, And I was fine with that. I was cool with it. Little Batman. Yeah, you can do worse. Yeah, yeah, you can do a lot worse than that. What were the socks? What were the themes of the socks there? Yeah, so it was like a half dozen pairs. Some Christmas with some reindeers on there. You know, uh, one football related as well. Yeah, Chicago Bears suck. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready any given Sunday to, uh, to look the part. Wait a minute. You got Chicago Bears suck socks? Did I hear that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nice Chicago C on there. Blue socks, orange C. You know, very, very festive and, uh, you know, good, good for uh, if I need a lucky pair of socks on a Sunday maybe. Uh, once the Bears are playing meaningful football, if that ever happens, I'll, I'll bust those out. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, Brad, so look, I want to start broad, and we'll whittle it down to the Colts here. But there might be a Colts player on this list. I always find it interesting. Is there a player or a couple of players around the league where they tend to have really good reputations, but this season specifically, the numbers tell you, man, they are just not – playing up to expectation or reputation right here right now is there anybody that off the top of your head falls into that category yeah i guess maybe not his reputation was was sterling for this season in particular but but i did find it fascinating when the ravens gave odell beckham jr a 15 million dollar fully guaranteed one-year contract and i guess one other I could throw in, um, look, Deron Bland has been incredible. What he's done the last couple of years and, and turning the ball over so many times, all the pick sixes, the record for most pick sixes in a season, it's all awesome. Obviously stepping in to replace the Trevon Diggs. At the same time, though, he's also allowed a ton of receiving yards. Um, over, the, over the second half of the season in particular, he's been getting picked on a little bit. So, again, these are, these are great players, and, and we're kind of – finding ways to nitpick their game. But um, I think he's been, he's been figured out to a degree uh, over the second half of the season. How about the other way where reputation-wise, they don't get a whole lot of love, but individually this season, they're doing really, really well. Who are a couple of players as far as that goes? Yeah, one I do want to shout out for sure is Malcolm Kuntz, who's an edge rusher for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, they use a top 10 pick on Tyree Wilson, uh, hoping he'd come along and be that number two opposite of a Max Crosby. And instead, so far, is this third year breakout for a Malcolm Kuntz, particularly the last six weeks, eight, uh, you know, two months or so, he's been way up there in pass rush win rate, pressure rate, uh, all of these categories, not just getting the sacks, which have been coming as well. But the underlying metrics super, super strong, too. Um, it's been a third-year breakout for Malcolm Coons with the Raiders. Isn't that crazy, too, where they draft Tyree Wilson number seven overall, and yet it's the third-year, third-round pick, Malcolm Coons, who's coming on out of Khalil Mack University, right? I think they just renamed <laughs> that over there at Buffalo. But you're right. He's playing really, really well, and it just shows you what the crapshoot the draft is, where the seventh overall pick, eh, not great so far, but the third round pick, he's crushing it. The light bulb is turned on. It's just wild how that goes. It's also a great reminder, and it's very hard, especially even in what I do. I tell myself this over and over again, and then sometimes I forget. But we got to remember, and not to always you know, blame coaches or position coaches or things like that, but there are so many extremely talented football players. These are already, you know, 99th percentile athletes and football players. And if they come in and maybe aren't super productive the first year or two of their career, 
maybe it's not their fault and maybe they're not, you know, not working hard, training behind the scenes, hitting the weight room, all those things. They just need to be put in the right position or just kind of have the light bulb go on. Like you said, something clicks and they take that next step. Um, like I said, even I fall for this and, you know, you label guys busts or, or say, you know, the story is written, um, you know, uh, until three, three years or so uh, and maybe a coaching change, you know, to mention the Raiders specifically because Koontz has really come on since it's, it's gone to Antonio Pierce and maybe he saw something that Josh McDaniels did not. Um, and that's kind of been the light bulb moment in, in Las Vegas. He's uh, Brad Spielberger from PFF joining us here on The Fan. How about if we look at a couple of teams? And maybe look at one side of the football where let's talk overrated, where they have a good reputation. But man, if you look at this team's offense or this team's defense, statistically, the stats don't measure up to the expectations or the perception of them. Who would that be? I guess, unfortunately, uh, I will be honest. When that comes to mind, and look, they, they found ways to overcome a lot of deficiencies, and obviously they are working with a second string quarterback. But the, the Colts' ability to score 20-plus points in, you know, what is it, almost every game, save for two games this year, is kind of remarkable considering the underlying numbers really aren't all that strong uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. They're 18th in EPA per play on offense. Uh, they are 22nd in success rate. So, you know, on a down-to-down basis, on an efficiency basis, on an explosiveness basis, they haven't been stellar. Um, but I think it honestly speaks to more and more just Shane Sykin, you know, down in the red area doing very well on scripted drives in the first and second half doing well. So, yeah, again, I don't know if they have a perception as being this juggernaut, but but they've scored, you know, points-wise maybe above their actual down-to-down efficiency, which, hey, you, you know, you'll, you'll take it with, with a backup quarterback in Gardner Mitchell. Right. Would you look at that more positively? That's more glass half full where – whether it's smoke and mirrors, however they're doing it, they've had some injuries with QB, wide receiver Pittman Jr. misses, and the you know the down-to-down stats aren't great, but they're still putting up points. Would you look at that positively and say, when they upgrade the talent, you're cooking with grease with Shane Steichen. He's proven he can put up points with what they have to work with right now. That's how I would look at it. Is that what you would look at it uh, from a, a numbers perspective as well? Exactly right. Right, where you'd say, okay, if this, if these were the guys that they were working with, maybe it's cause for concern. And you say, all right, there could be some negative regression here, and, and their scoring of points is going to start to level out with their actual efficiency on a down-to-down basis. However, you drop in a top five pick quarterback that also opens up different elements of your offense, the downfield passing game, obviously his legs as a rusher, and you say clearly Shane Steichen can you know adapt on a week-to-week basis or a quarterback-to-quarterback basis and shape an offense around the talent he has and find ways to overcome, you know, any issues that may arise over the course of the season, Michael Pittman injury, the line injury, what, you know, Jonathan Taylor injury, what have you. I think in this particular context, you do probably take it as a, as a positive going forward. How about the other side? Last one, as far as all this goes, where if you look at reputation wise, uh, this team has a pretty good reputation, but the numbers say they're actually underperforming, whether it be the offensive or defensive side of the ball. That's a good one. Uh, you know, I think it's a little bit tougher. Uh, obviously, people now know the Chiefs are really, really struggling. I think they were finding ways to win games even when that was already the case early on in the year. I guess I'll give you another one, kind of cat out of the bag too, but, you know, the Eagles. And, again, people seem to have caught on at this point, but – 
it was the, the warning bells were there, and they were you know eight zero or seven zero, whatever it was to start the year, and it was still there, there were some issues, particularly um, you know in, in sustaining these longer drives and, and things of that nature. Um, but again, I, I think uh, you know it's hard to hard to hide those things for sixteen weeks. Eventually, uh, the truth comes out. Um, how about this? Also, I'm trying to figure out the Colts' offensive line, where running wise, there are games where. They're great, well over 100 yards, and there are games where they're not even approaching 100 yards. And I know they've had some injuries. Braden Smith has been dinged up. That's made a difference. But I think of a team like the Dolphins. They've had plenty of offensive line injuries with Teron Armstead, Austin Jackson, yet they're number five in team rushing. So when you're looking at the Colts' offensive line, you're looking at the numbers and you're looking at the reasons why they're so inconsistent. What would you point to? Yeah, and like you said, the entries are certainly a part of it. Um, you know, I also think you have seen a ton of growth from a Bernard Ryman at left tackle, from a Will Fries at right guard. Um, but I think in particular, I've noticed them get better as pass protectors. And, you know, there, there are some, you know, weeks here, here or there where they get a tougher matchup against an opponent they don't particularly line up well against, and, and that can falter. But, you know, you know, yards before contact is probably my favorite running the football attempt uh, stat, sorry, from an offensive line standpoint where – how much are they clearing in front of them? The Colts are actually 26th in yards before. Oh, wait, excuse me. Looking at that wrong. Uh, no, no, take that back. Take that back. Uh, the Colts are up there. The Colts are top 10 in yards before contact per attempt. Um, it's yards after contact. So bouncing off some of those tackles, some of those shoestring tackles or guys going up high, uh, they need to kind of you know get better at bouncing off of that. And, and presumably, you know, that's where a Jonathan Taylor can kind of separate from a Zach Moss and some others. Is that something you would look at and say, ooh, that's alarming. It's one thing for, listen, if the the running back is running into a brick wall, that's one thing. But if he's having a harder time than he previously did, bouncing off of tackles, and is that alarming when it comes to Jonathan Taylor specifically? It could be for sure, yes. Yeah. So my apologies, I flipped those, yes. So, so good before contact, poor after contact. I think there is some variance in that to a degree. Um, mm-hmm. But I do also think it's one of the signals we see, for example, here's one perfect example for you last year. A lot of people see Dalvin Cook at cut in Minnesota. They say, this guy's had 1,000 rushing yards three years in a row. He, he's a good three-down player. He can pass block. He can catch the ball. Why would Minnesota do this? His yards after contact was one of the worst in the entire National Football League last year. And he did have a shoulder issue that you could see on film. He'd occasionally kind of go down or just favor that shoulder. But nevertheless, you know, early career down Cook could run over some players, or I always thought he was phenomenal, chopping his feet, getting through those, those kind of ankle-grabbing tackles. So, yeah, it is one particular area of note, but, but I wouldn't say Jonathan Taylor, you know, as of yet, get a full season, get him in a rushing game with a dynamic quarterback, um, and I think he can bounce back to his, you know, all-pro rushing title level. Do you think Anthony Richardson can be that dynamic quarterback for the Colts? I do. I, I certainly have no indication as to why he cannot be. Um, you know, it's the, what we saw in, yes, a small sample, a limited sample, but, you know, super young draft prospect, not the most experienced at the college level. Um, I think he still has a phenomenal pocket presence, a good pressure to sack rate, basically. You know, we, we say pressure is probably the offensive line's fault. 
the, the taking a sack is very often uh, the quarterback's fault. And he was incredible at that in college. It, it translated pretty well so far to his NFL career. Um, just, just a good kind of third eye in the back of his head and, and feeling pressure, which is one of the hardest things for a lot of these young quarterbacks to do. Um, you know, I think you'll see the accuracy improve over time. I think you'll see him get more and more comfortable, you know, going to the third, fourth, reading a progression, all of those things that every quarterback is working with. But the foundation right now of he has the ability and the elusiveness to, to bail and, and pick up you know, great scramble yards, but also doesn't do it too often. Trust the protection, stays in when appropriate, and also bounces out when appropriate. Yeah, like I said, it was a small sample, but everything I saw from, from Richardson uh, was highly encouraging. He's Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus joining us here on The Fan. Okay, so from a PFF perspective, Brad, I like to give you a blank canvas. You know, I feel like <laughs> my nephew has a dog that is kind of like a herding dog. You know what I mean? It, it kind of steers you in a certain direction. I feel like sometimes the questions do that. They steer you in a certain area. I like to give you a blank canvas, you know? Anything from a numbers perspective that you find to be pretty interesting, maybe as we inch closer to playoff time, where you just say, hey, man, this stands out. This is something useful that you need to know. What would that be in your mind? So, so can you kind of break it a little bit more in terms of just like, like a narrative, or, or like what do you mean by that? Just any number that stands out to you where you're like, holy cow, Tampa's number one in pass block win rate or whatever. Just anything that stands out where you're like, that is an eye-popping number right there. Where if you didn't dive into the numbers as deep as you do, you would most likely be unaware of that. I gotcha. I hear you for sure. So, yeah, Tampa is interesting. You probably just mentioned a random, uh, but we just talked about pressure to sack rate. I think that is the biggest reason why Baker Mayfield taking that step forward uh, in Tampa. But for me, it's probably, let's just go back to last night. And I think there's been so much conversation of how do all these top teams fare uh, against the better opponents in the NFL? Um, and it's not the greatest barometer. We shouldn't have this emphasis on just a smaller sample of a few games. You know, every game does matter. What the Baltimore Ravens defense has been able to do against Seattle, Detroit, Jacksonville, and of course now last night against Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers, it's in a world of its own in terms of the performance against the elite offenses of the NFL. You know, every game matters. Anything can swing in a different direction, but I think it is the number one stat to me right now that jumps out to where maybe it's, you know, prisoner of the moment and whatnot, but I thought that was the biggest test they were going to have, you know, attacking the middle of the field against Baltimore, trying to pick on, you know, Kyle Hamilton and, and, um, and Roquan Smith and all these players. Obviously not a winning formula, not a winning recipe in any way, shape, or form. Um, and they're just – their defense right now with Mike McDonald is, is, is impossible to figure out on a week-to-week basis. They are so, so good. Do you ever do this, Brad, where the numbers might tell you something – but you're thinking that's true to this point, subject to change. For instance, you mentioned the nightcap last night on Christmas Day. How about Brock Purdy, right? The numbers have been really, really good to this point, but is there something in you that says, eh, I don't know, it's a different ball game when you're playing from behind as opposed to playing with the lead, as we saw again last night? It might be him or, or anybody else where you're not so beholden to the numbers where you just think of it to this point as if it's just going to keep rewriting itself time and time again, where it, it might change in the not-too-distant future. Do you think about it as far as teams or players along those lines? 
Absolutely. No, 110%. I feel like that's a big thing of what we do, you know, particularly looking at, at gambling elements. So, you know, one for him that always jumped out was his turnover-worthy play rate well, was far higher than his actual turnover rate. Um, and he's not, like, terrible in that category, you know, but he still is a middle of the pack in, in the amount of plays that we deem are dropped interceptions or put ball in harm's way, could have been picked off, um, and just weren't for the first, you know, 10 weeks of the season. So, again, I'm not saying we knew he was going to throw four interceptions last night, but you know, there is always variance there. And then a second one, too, is quarterback performance under pressure is extremely variant. It's not a stable metric in any way, shape, or form. There are, of course, some quarterbacks, you know, like a Lamar Jackson last night, a Patrick Mahomes, etc. Josh Allen always shows up pretty well there. But even him and all the greats, it swings wildly. Um, and pretty also is really good against pressure. But you see Trent Williams go down last night, the best offensive line on the team by far. You mentioned, you know, that team now trying to play from behind, which they haven't done a whole lot of this season, um, and it caused a lot of problems. So, yeah, those are always the big ones. You kind of, you know, is this team getting away with turnovers or, or potential turnovers? Um, and then I guess the last piece there on the flip side is, too, is there was that stretch for the Broncos. They won, I don't know, say five, four or five games in a row. They recovered 13 fumbles in a four or five game stretch. Yeah. And you're sitting there saying, that's not going to continue. That is not a sustainable formula uh, at all. And that was the Houston game. It was before the Houston game. I noticed that they lost that game and obviously lost at home to New England this past weekend uh, because a lot of those things turned in the other direction. Uh, what do you pay the closest attention to from a gambling perspective as it relates to numbers, right? What do you really put stock in? Yeah, that's a, that's a far-reaching and, and ranging question. So there's so much there. You know, I did start the show kind of talking about Indy and their, you know, EPA per play, which is, you know, an, an efficiency metric on offense and defense that adds context. Uh, to, you know, two-yard gain on third and one is more valuable than a two-yard gain on first and ten. Um, so, so that's super important. Success rate, also a very important metric. So it really does come back down to, you know, try to not look at the box scores, try to not look at the final scores, but look at how teams are performing on a play-by-play basis. Um, you know, again, some variance, too. I mentioned earlier with Philadelphia. They, they were scoring a lot of points, but uh, you look at drives of 60-plus yards, they were kind of middle of the pack the first eight weeks because um, they had, you know, some timely turnovers and they did a good job of, of, of you know, scoring touchdowns down in the red zone um, and not kicking field goals. So, but you want to see teams that are not only efficient on a play-to-play basis, but also on a series-to-series basis. Are they advancing the ball, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 yards um, and, and scoring in that manner? Because <laughs> it's just it's more sustainable over time. You know, before you go, Brad, we were having a, a brief conversation about movies. It just came up with a, an interview I did last hour. I feel like we need PFF-like stats when it comes to movies, right? All we get is, like, Rotten Tomatoes, and boom, done. I, don't we need more analysis numbers-wise when it comes to movies? I think we do. I love that. I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, like, you know, if it was a comedy, you kind of check out, you know, the last per minute, is it spaced out or is it, you know, are there stretches of where you're cracking up, but then it's boring for half an hour? Is it more consistent? You know, all the advanced data and analytics on on movies, you know, for Christmas movies, like a Home Alone, you know, I think it would have a super high rate. You're getting prank after prank after prank from Kevin (laughs) McAllister. Yeah, I'm with you. you. If you start that website, let me know. PFF for movies, huh? Let's make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's a winning formula, man. Well, Brad, it was great to visit with you, man. Happy holidays again. Enjoy the socks and hope we can chat again sometime soon. 
Sounds great. Happy holidays. Same to you, man. There he is. Brad Spielberger. That sounds like a movie critic, doesn't it? It does. You can do that on the side. PFF, football-wise, PFF for movies. Pro, what would it be? PMF. Pro movie focus. <laughs> and that rolls off the tongue too, right? PMF? Come on. I remember that all, to- all the time. Um, well, there's a lot to digest right there. And, you know, that's where I want to go to next is the Anthony Richardson thing where I want to circle back to uh, Schefter put out a tweet and said that there weren't any teams that approached the Ravens about Lamar Jackson when he requested a trade in the offseason. And Schefter wrote, missed opportunity. And it was something that Brad just said about Anthony Richardson that made me think about that whole debate. Should the Colts have made a a bigger push for Lamar? If Suspend all reality. If the Colts could have Lamar here and now, paying him a boatload of money, giving up two first-round picks, would you rather have that than Anthony Richardson? So we'll get to that next, but what Brad said specifically where he was saying things about Anthony Richardson having a third eye, right, where he feels the rush, he gets rid of the football, or he tucks it and gets out of harm's way and all that. I think Anthony Richardson needs a fourth eye. It's what I think, okay? Because if you don't finish three of the four games you start, I mean, it might be true about feeling the rush, but he's got to do a better job of limiting the risk of injury when running the football. That's more than obvious. And some listen, some of it was bad luck, no doubt about that. But you can't chalk everything up to bad luck where he hits his head on the turf after scoring a touchdown. There were a couple of injuries that you would probably categorize as fluky, right? But like here's the thing. Uh, there are some other quarterbacks stylistically that aren't getting hurt like that, no fluky injuries, because they're not playing like that. And I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is wrong. I'm just saying it needs to be altered a tad. You can't chalk everything up to, well, some stuff just happens in the NFL. It's like, dude, if you're taking hits from guys in the NFL – Even if you're built like a tank like Anthony Richardson, that's just not a great long-term formula. So I think that the the formula's got to change a bit. And you got to find that magical middle ground of not taking away what makes Anthony Richardson different and special, but you're also keeping him upright. If he's not healthy, that takes away from what the Colts can be collectively. So... I don't know, man. I just, I have a hard time chalking all the injuries up to, hey, man, that's just football. Some stuff just happens. No, that doesn't explain exiting early in three of four starts to begin your NFL career. It, it just doesn't. Um, and so building off of that, it's what I want to get to next. Uh, Lamar v. Anthony Richardson. If you could just snap your fingers and make it happen where Lamar, on the doorstep of another MVP, has got a horseshoe on the side of his helmet instead of a raven, would you sign up for that? Uh, a couple of reasons 
you probably should. Maybe a couple of reasons that you probably shouldn't. We'll see which uh, end of the aisle you are on, which side of the fence you are on. That's on the way. I'm Brian No. In for JMV. Keep it locked right here. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for JMV here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, here on The Fan. Excuse me, man. Sorry. Different uh, shifts. I apologize. I, I was just hearing no more tears in the background, James, and had a brain freeze for a second. Um, I watched a Zach Wild video. I don't know what I was doing. I was watching all these like rock and roll slash metal videos the other night. And um, Zach Wilde was talking about his guitar style and uh, some of the songs that he learned growing up and how that had a, a big impact on his guitar playing. But you think about the pinch harmonics and the in that song, No More Tears, where it's like, Woo! you know, like the real high pitched. He said that came from ZZ Top. Really? Yeah, it's like the pinched harmonics on like the the G string, the mm-hmm. D string. They're doing that quite a bit in songs mm-hmm. like Tush. And he was like, what are they doing? And he figured it out. And that's a big part of his playing. I think of Zach Wilde and just those pinched harmonics that came largely from ZZ Top. Yeah, I wouldn't really uh, imagine ZZ Top for that. I mean, I'm not the biggest ZZ Top fan, to be completely honest. But when I hear those pinched harmonics, I do think of like Zach Wilde, uh, Dimebag from Pantera. Those are yeah. kind of the two that I really think of. Yeah, he g- shouted out Billy Gibbons and said that really? was a big part of his yeah his guitar playing. The other thing that Zach said, I don't know if this transitions to a sports conversation or not. <laughs> Maybe it does. <laughs> but he was like... If you don't want to be compared to other guitarists, just don't do what they're doing. And so when he was trying to come up with his sound, he was like, if you don't want to be compared to Eddie Van Halen, just don't do any tapping. Yeah, that's fair. If you don't want to be compared to... Um, what's the guy? I always forget his name. Is it? Is it Ziggy? or What's the... I always forget the dude that does all the sweet picking. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Ziggy. It's like... I can't think of anything off the top oh, of my head. Man, I always screw this guy's name up. I'm not a huge fan of him as a guitarist, uh, but he is like the sweet-picking guy. Um, it, Like Milestead or something? What the heck is that guy's name? I can't think of it. The only, when, I, when I Google Ziggy guitar, <laughs> the only thing that comes up is Ziggy Stardust, which I doubt is who you're no, thinking of. No, it's not. It's like... I can't do it, man. Somebody help me out on Twitter slash X at the no show is where you can reach me. But uh, it's like I never know how to pronounce this guy's name. Um, And uh, he is like the the dude for sweet picking. But 
Iggy Malstead or so. I think it's from Sweden oh, or something. Oh, I think I know. It's Ingve or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Yngwie yeah, yeah, that guy. Okay, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, Ingve. I think I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure. <laughs> don't don't quote me on that, but I yeah. think that's right. Ing Ingve Malmstein or something like that. Sorry, I completely like took away from the overall point, <laughs> which is Zach was saying if you don't want to be compared to Ingve or however you say his name, just don't do the sweet picking. Just don't do it. Oh, so it's it's spelled I think Y N G W I E Malmstein. No wonder Yngwie that Malmstein. Yeah, no wonder that didn't come up during a very quick Google search yeah. of like I need this name now and nothing. I yeah. could not find I, anything. I was yeah. not close on the spelling on that. <laughs> Shout out to Jamie who's checking out the show who just wrote in Malmstein. Very well done right there. Uh, got another tweet here. Um, uh, very nice. Another one there. Skivvies. Shout out. Uh, wrote in with the Malmstein also. Polly and Indy. He wrote, um, pulling double duty today. Congrats. That's why I screwed up the station just a couple of minutes ago. My bad. Uh, but also wrote, that's either, <laughs> that's either the reason for your sports memory loss or your college partying days. And uh, look, man, going back to the Michael Pittman Jr. stuff and the concussion... I've had a couple of concussions. Maybe that's the reason my memory is either laser focused, like I remember details, or it's like, yeah, I, I got nothing. I don't remember anything as far as that goes. How many concussions do you have on the list there throughout your time here on Earth, James? I don't think I've ever had a concussion. I've managed to avoid them. You know what? Goodbye, you. Very yeah. good. They are freaking weird. I'll tell you a couple of very quick concussion stories. So I was a kid, I was surfing while sledding. Not a great combination right there, but I, I was doing great. I was going down a hill right next to my mom's house when I was growing up, slid all the way down to the street, then I lost my balance, then I hit the street. Then my friend wheeled me back to my house in my sled, rang the doorbell and was like, Mrs. No, like Brian had, a, had an accident or whatever he said. I woke up in bed. I don't know. Hours later, I know it's a bad thing. You're not supposed to sleep. But I was just knocked out. Mm -hmm. I was just completely knocked out. Not good. I was also a kid. I will not give the recipe. But we're making each other faint. We're being stupid kids. And I literally said, it's not going to work. And everybody, we had like a, a safety net system. All the kids were there. And they would catch you if you fainted. I said, it's not going to work. Everybody turned their head. And then I fainted. <laughs> and, then, and then I hit the ground, right? And I was seeing stars, James. Stars. Then I went to football practice. This is in grade school, yet again. First hit a football practice. It was like those old school TVs. When you turned it off, the picture just kind of went like straight. It sunk into the middle of the TV. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. That's sort of what happened with me, except I was instant, instantaneously clear. Right, like from falling, I was foggy and seeing stars, and then there was a collision. And it was like boom, clear, really? crystal clear. So weird, man. That is weird. I've I've never had a concussion. I have never broken a bone somehow. Uh, which, if you had asked either one of my parents when I was growing up, they would have been I would have been the one in the hospital all the time with all the broken bones. But I have never once broken a bone or had a concussion. Man, good for you. It's I've had 
um, five surgeries, all sports related, numerous broken bones. I just was not blessed with good like injury health, but phys- like physical health. I- I've been super knock on wood, very healthy. Uh, my sister has gotten the short end of that stick where she's had, you know, asthma real bad and she's had pancreatitis and stuff like that. Health wise, I've been fine. It's just injury wise. James, I was a wreck. I should not go <laughs> near a playing field. I'm not going to be one of those guys. I'll tell you this. I'm going to be one of those guys where if, I don't know, my buddies are like, hey, we're playing a game of pickup basketball. Both Achilles will be snapped somehow, some way. <laughs> That's going to be me as I age here in life based on my history. I, I've been very fortunate. I haven't really had any too, too many crazy injuries. I don't even think I've had too many like crazy illnesses. I, I still have my appendix. Yeah. My appendix is still in me. Uh haven't really had anything. I just finally, for the first time, got COVID uh, last week. That was the first time I'd had it since I, I had never had it before. So I've, I've been pretty lucky, I think, with managing to avoid injuries and illnesses and all sorts of unpleasant things like that. Good for you, man. By I the know. way, I got COVID in Indianapolis. Really? You know? Yeah, I went to the national title game a couple of years ago when Georgia beat Alabama. Oh, and that's where I got COVID. And the weird thing is when I so I had a couple of knee surgeries. Right. And so I can't just go to the gym and run on the treadmill for whatever, a mile or two. My knee will swell up. It'll ache. So what I do is I'll put the treadmill on an incline and I'll just sprint for like a minute. So it hits my legs, gives me a little cardio and it doesn't bother my knee. There you go. But the weird thing is. Dude, I am gassed, right? So I'll run at like eight or eight and a half the speed on an incline. And James, I am sucking wind. I'm just like, <gasps> I don't know if it has anything it, to do with COVID. Say, or you, if I, yeah, I'm you, just like completely out of shape. I don't know. <laughs> were you uh, were you doing that before you got COVID? Were you having issues uh, with like breathing and stuff like that while you were on the treadmill no, before? because I wasn't doing it. Oh, well, there you, know? you go. <laughs> so I, I can't compare it. It's like, you know, they have the baseline concussion test. Yeah. It's like they don't have the initial baseline test for me, and then I'm showing concussion symptoms, and they do the test, but they're like, well, shoot, we don't have the baseline test to compare it to. We don't know. <laughs> that's, that's me and running on the treadmill. I don't know. See, every time I get on the treadmill, this was obviously before COVID because I have not gotten on the treadmill since I got COVID. Uh, I was, I'm was, i like you. I'm sucking down wind 10 uh, minutes in. I am I am not a uh, ca- uh, cardio person. I'm not a cardio man, person. You and me both, man. That is not, not where I'm at. Okay, uh, to pay this off, I was throwing it out there with Lamar Jackson and Anthony Richardson. I was just thinking about this because Schefter put out a tweet and he was talking about teams not pursuing Lamar Jackson in the offseason. Remember, Lamar requested a trade from the Ravens and there weren't any taker, takers. Schefter wrote that the Ravens never were approached. Carolina traded multiple ones for Bryce Young yet no team ever tried to get a deal done with Lamar Jackson. Lost opportunity. And so I started thinking about that from a Colts perspective. And listen, it's going to sound like a contradiction. It's really not. you got to lend me your listening ears for just a couple of minutes here. 
this is what I think about both quarterbacks. I think from a Colts perspective, if somehow, some way they could have made it happen with Lamar Jackson, first things first, was I interested in Lamar? No, was my answer. Why? Because Lamar is a dynamic talent. There's no doubt about that. He's been a league MVP before, might be a league MVP again. But stylistically, he takes way too many chances. There's a reason he's been injured so often in his NFL career. It's just not a great long-term formula. And you would have had to pay that guy through the roof and give up two first-round picks. I just wasn't interested in the offseason with all of that at play. Now, if you fast forward and say, as it turned out, the Colts drafted Anthony Richardson number four overall. Now that that's the dynamic and that's the scenario here, would you, if it could have been made, if a deal could have been made between the Colts and Ravens and suspend all reality where I know you're going to, they're not going to trade him in the same, in the same conference. Forget all of that. Let's just say somehow, some way it could have been done. I would have been fine with it in terms of it being Anthony Richardson specifically. Now, I'm not saying there's no chance, no way with this guy, but I think the odds are longer and it's more unlikely that this guy turns out to be a top-flight franchise quarterback. He just didn't have the number of starts, didn't have the experience in college. Now he misses most of his rookie year. Now, with limited college experience, we're talking fewer than 400 throws. He didn't have that first year to grow, to learn, to blossom. Now he's playing catch-up even more so. This is like, think back to your days at school. Or if anybody listening is still in school, God bless you. It's building blocks. When you're learning a language or you're learning a subject or... You're learning it through building blocks. It's chapter one, then eventually you get to chapter five. You don't skip to the end of the book and say, ah, I know calculus. All there is to know about calculus now. It's building blocks. It's the same thing in the NFL as a quarterback. So when you're missing all of these potential reps in college, when you're missing all of these potential reps in year one as an NFL rookie, And now you're coming back in the NFL, and there are guys, look at all the experience that C.J. Stroud has gotten, that Bryce Young has gotten. Those guys are going to be ahead of where Anthony Richardson is just from an experience standpoint. That matters. And so if it's Lamar specifically versus Anthony Richardson, yeah, I would be in the Lamar boat. And I understand that the Colts were in rebuilding mode, fully understand that. But the thing I would push back and say is, the Colts aren't expecting to be rebuilding forever. It can happen pretty fast. Look at the Texans. Were the Texans thought to be even a playoff team this year? No way. (laughs) No, they just, they had the number two overall pick. They were a train wreck. And now they're on the doorstep of being a playoff team, and C.J. Stroud's missed the last two games. It can happen fast, and even though the Colts roster has noticeable holes, the Colts might have not been a a Super Bowl contender this season had they made a move for Lamar Jackson, but they're not expecting to be in rebuilding mode 
over the course of his contract, right? Like year four, eh, we're still in rebuilding mode. <laughs> so I don't think you can look at the Colts roster and say, nah, they were reloading, not the time to get Lamar. Like, it can turn around really fast. And there are quarterbacks that either get traded to a team or drafted by a team. They're nowhere in contention initially, and then boom, it happens fast where all of a sudden they are. So from that standpoint as well, yeah, if it's Lamar versus Anthony Richardson specifically, even though you pay Lamar a boatload and give up two first-round picks, I'd rather be there than the complete unknown with Anthony Richardson. I don't buy this. Oh, well, I mean, he looked good in the Texans in that and against the Texans in that one game. That that's not good enough for me, man. Not good enough. I would want something far more um uh, like experienced a quarterback that there's just more data. There's more to go by. And look, last little bit here, Lamar has wet himself numerous times in the playoffs. Uh, I know he's been sensational at times, and he's a highlight reel, and that's great. But up until this point, he has not come close to getting it done in the playoffs. So all this regular season stuff, that's nice. It truly matters what you do in the postseason. So I am not a Lamar pom-pom waving guy like, this dude is unbelievable. Do whatever you have to do. I'm not that guy. But if it's Lamar versus A. Rich and it's just the tale of that tape, yeah, I would be Team Lamar in that scenario. Your comments more than welcome. I'm curious where you come out on this that talk about no teams making a push for Lamar in the offseason and Lamar here and now is on the doorstep of winning a second MVP. Would you rather have him here in Indy? Or are you cool with sticking with Anthony Richardson? I think it's an honest question. Uh, right around the corner, man, some just staggering numbers for a league that is uh, the Debo in the movie Friday of the sports world. That's on the way. I'm Brian No in for JMV here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you f***ing are. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV here on The Fan. Man, you look at some of the numbers from the ratings in terms of uh, Christmas Day NFL versus Christmas Day NBA. I don't have the latest numbers from yesterday, but this goes back just a couple of years ago. This is before they did the triple header thing. So in 2021, the NFL had a double header and it was Browns against the Packers that averaged just under 29 million viewers. And then on NFL Network exclusive, it was Colts Cardinals, and that averaged 12.7, uh, 12.6 million viewers. Think about that. On NFL Network before NFL Plus, like 
Almost 13 million people were watching Colts Cardinals on NFL Network. And the NBA, again, this is 2021, a couple of years ago, the NBA peaked at 5.8 million for its late game between the Nets and Lakers. So you had about 6 million for Nets Lakers and you had almost 13 million for Colts Cardinals on the same day. And obviously Colts Cardinals, again, just exclusively on NFL network. That's crazy to me. So this was again, a couple of years ago, the five NBA Christmas games in 2021, they averaged 4.1 million viewers. That was the lowest since ESPN acquired the NBA's broadcasting rights in 2002. So over the course of almost 20 years, that was the lowest they had had on ESPN because the NFL was like, eh, screw it. Why don't we play some games on Christmas Day too? And I'm sure someone raised their hand like, but isn't that the NBA's day? And then everybody else just laughed at him like, this guy must be new. We're the NFL. What are you talking about? That is... It's staggering, man. And you think about what the ratings were last year and what they're going to be this year. Now, Mike North, he's the NFL VP of broadcasting. He had said, this is a while ago, that next year, in 2024, Christmas will be on a Wednesday. And he said it's unlikely the NFL will schedule games midweek. I I would like to call his bluff because I don't think there's any way the NFL doesn't schedule at least a game on Christmas next year, even if it's on a Wednesday. They've had too much rating success. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a doubleheader. I don't see it being a tripleheader, but I, I just don't see the NFL like, eh, it's our bad luck. It's on a Wednesday this year. Eh, maybe next year it won't be, right? Like, I just think the NFL is sitting there saying, we are printing money, our ratings are crushing the NBAs, let's run it back and play at least one game on a Wednesday. That's my guess, but wow, goodness. All right, plenty to get to. Coming up next, some good news regarding the Colts' playoff quest. There's a team in their way and some favorable Colts news as far as their chances go. I'm Brian No in for JMV. Keep it locked right here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. And then at that point, Billy, your house started to shake, the heavens opened up, and God himself spoke to you and said this, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No in for JMV here on The Fan. You know, good news, bad news, depending on your perspective. James, the last time we did a show together, when I was filling in for JMV, I looked it up in my notes. All the way back to June 19th. Really? It's been yeah. that long. 
right? <laughs> it's been pretty long. And remember we talked about, hey, next time we're doing a show together, we're bringing in our guitars, oh. and we're just trading metal riffs left and right. I'm visiting in South Bend in my hometown. No axe, no, well, no amp, mm-hmm. right? So that's not going to work. So we'll have to rain check it. Now, depending on your perspective, like I said, some people would be like, it's the day after Christmas. <laughs> maybe not the greatest time to be busting out your Slayer riffs right now, you know? So maybe it worked out okay this time. I don't know. I don't know, man. After The day after the Christmas seems like the perfect time to whip out some Slayer riffs, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Too many Christmas carols, right? You ready oh, yeah. to turn the page, that I'm sort so, of thing? I'm so sick of Mariah Carey right now. I would just Anything <laughs> heavy is what I'm after right now. <laughs> that's funny you know what new year's resolution so i'm gonna get back to playing guitar every day i had this i don't know what it was in my right arm it was like an elbow thing some sort of tendonitis dude again the injuries with me it's remarkable what i've been able to do injury wise while not doing anything that you'd be like oh you were you were bench pressing 400 no wonder you're it wasn't anything like that it just started going wrong i don't know what was going on but it's better now james every day every day i'm picking up the axe well, you, you know go. yes that's some that's something i should probably get back into i haven't been playing nearly as much as i want to uh yeah and if i have been playing it's been on my acoustic because i don't want to bother with getting out the amp and getting out the actual electric and dealing with all that i just noodle around on my acoustic right now you know what james we're in this together Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. No more laziness for either of us. We're gonna we're gonna stop making the excuses, and we're gonna be both uh, uh, real guitar hero shred masters here in the next here in twenty twenty four. We're gonna be shredding it up like Eddie Van Halen. It's absolutely right. I'm picking it up every day. I might not play for eight hours or whatever. It might just <laughs> you know it might be a half hour, but I'm gonna learn a guitar part, even if it's just one riff each day. I, I want to learn something new each day, and I want to pick it up every day. I think that's a reasonable goal. I think that's a good goal. Absolutely it is. We're in this together, James. I want the neighbors to be like, turn it down, James. You're playing metal at full volume again? I, that's what I want. I, that's what I want for you in 24. I'll, I'll do, I will do my best. I will do my best <laughs> to achieve that goal, to uh, annoy my neighbors. There it is. That's right. Let's bring the world together, you know? Let's do it that way. Um, so, Colts-wise... Some good news for the Colts. I know it wasn't great against the Falcons. wasn't even good against the Falcons. But as far as their playoff pursuit, they're still in reasonably good shape. So they're still in the playoffs right now. They are seventh in the AFC. And the remaining path, they're at home both games. They take on the Raiders, and then they have that last game of the season against the Texans. So not the easiest path. But one thing that could end up helping them out, potentially, is where Jacksonville is right now. The Jags are coming undone. They've lost four straight games, and Jacksonville is now 8-7. and seven. How crazy is that to think? They were 8-3. and three. <laughs> They were 8-3 and three before this losing streak, and now you're like, are they even going to make the playoffs? So Jacksonville, they... They uh, got clobbered by Tampa on Sunday, and this seems like a distant memory, too. At one point, believe it or not, Jacksonville was 5-0 and on the road, 
And there was another win that was technically a home game in London. So if you want to think of it outside of their home stadium in Jacksonville, they were 6-0 and on the road. They were the last unbeaten team on the road. And their last couple of games away from Jacksonville, they got obliterated by Tampa on Sunday. And then they lost at Cleveland when Trevor Lawrence is throwing three interceptions. And so Jacksonville, who has the same record as the Colts, if they end up losing, let's say, on the road against Tennessee, I could see that happening in Week 18. They get a home game against Carolina. You know the wheels have fallen completely off the tracks if the Jags have a five-game losing streak after losing to Carolina on Sunday, right? I, I don't know that that happens, but the Colts would still have a few chances to sneak in um, if if the Jags get tripped up there. So depending on how they take care of business and if Jacksonville slips up, the division is still within sight for the Colts. And the other part of this is, even if they don't win the division, a playoff berth is still in their sight. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of wiggle room because there are so many teams behind them. When the Texans are chasing them, all these teams with the same record. The, the Colts are 8-7. and seven. Well, so are the Texans. So are the Steelers. So are the Bengals. But it was a good weekend, believe it or not, with the team's around the Colts in the playoff race. It's very disappointing to lose by 19 points against the Falcons. But when you've got these other teams losing, like, you know, the Texans lost to Cleveland. Uh, you'd rather have Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati. You'd look be looking up record-wise at Cincinnati had they won that game against Pittsburgh. With the Steelers winning as of right now, the Colts with the same record are ahead of both the Steelers and the Bengals. So that was a good outcome. So they're right there. (laughs) They're right there. As bad as it was uh, against the Falcons in the last two road games against the Falcons and the Bengals, their last two games are at home, and you control your path, uh, which is great. Craziness, too. (laughs) All four teams in the AFC South on Sunday lost. All four of them. Colts got waxed by the Falcons. Uh, Texans lost to the Browns by two touchdowns. Jags lost to Tampa by 18, right? And then the Titans, they couldn't get it done against Seattle. It was a closer game, 20-17. to 17, But all four teams in the AFC South lost on Sunday. So yeah, it's just uh, who can limp to the finish line and get there? That's really what it comes down to. I was thinking about this, too. Um, you know, now is the, the fill in time of year for me, uh, with the holidays being around here. And so some stations will ask me to fill in and it's all good. I love doing radio and a show I did earlier today, the guy I was matched with, he was like, I like breaking teams down into alcohol themed tiers. (laughs) I was like, okay. And so I was like, you got your top shelf teams. You got your mid-range teams, and you have your well teams, you know? The well drinks that you're just like, oh, gosh, right? I added a fourth category. I added the Schlitz category 
Just whatever you think is the bottom of the barrel, last resort. Oh, gosh, we got to make it work with this. That sort of thing. So of the playoff teams right now, top shelf, I, I just have a couple of teams. I just have the Ravens and the 49ers. They're still leading their respective conferences. Still both have a ton of talent. They have the inside track to the one seed. I would put them at the top. Mid-range, there's a lot. In the in the AFC, I would go with the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Browns. I know a lot of people would be down on the Chiefs right now. But they play real defense. They still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Andy Reid. I can't put them lower than the mid-range. You know? I'll put it this way. My nephew had a VR game that I tried out yesterday. You ever try out these virtual reality games, James? There's this one, I don't know what it was called, but all you do, you take an elevator up to the top floor of like a skyscraper, and they just want you to walk off the edge. And you know in your head you're like, this isn't real. It doesn't matter. It's not real whatsoever. Just take a step. It's just in your head. But your entire body is like, no, don't do it. This is not good. This is not what we should be doing. My hands are sweating. Like It was just this weird feeling. That's how I feel about just completely writing off the Chiefs. I have the sweaty palms, this like, but it's Mahomes and Andy Reid, and I'm not picking them to win the Super Bowl. I'm not picking them to get to the Super Bowl. But I can't write them off and put them in like the Schlitz or Well category because they play real defense. And it was a fluky seven seconds against the Raiders where they allowed two defensive scores. It was fluky against the Bills where they just can't line up right. I can't write them off. So I feel like I'm playing the VR game where I'm supposed to walk off the edge if I'm thinking about writing off the Chiefs completely. That's where I'm at. In the NFC, in my mid-range, I would have the Eagles, Cowboys. I'd even put the Rams there and the Lions. Rams with McVay and Stafford, Cooper Cup, Nakua. you got a lot of offensive weapons. Kyron Williams has been legit. And the defense is good enough to be a problem. Tough out in the NFC. I'd put them in mid-range. My well, people would argue with this, and I'm getting to the Colts here, you know. In my well category... I would put Buffalo there. I just do not trust Buffalo as far as I can throw them. Yes, Josh Allen has a lot of talent. Yes, they have the potential to be a tough out. And there aren't teams I absolutely love in the AFC. But I've seen this movie before. And they are just not to be trusted. Had a great performance against the Cowboys one week. The next week, they're barely surviving against the Chargers, who didn't have a quarterback or a head coach, and allowed the Raiders to score 63 on them the previous week. You know, I do not trust the Bills at all. We've seen this time and time again where they invent ways to lose. You've got a lead on the road in Arrowhead with 13 seconds to go in the playoffs, and they found a way to screw it up and lose. That's just what they do. So I, I don't trust them. I put them in the well category. I'd put Tampa there as well, even though Baker Mayfield is playing great. I just don't see them going through the NFC gauntlet. 
defense isn't good enough. I, I just I don't see it. In my Schlitz category, that's where I would put Seattle. Same concept. It, run defense isn't good enough. Defense collectively not good enough. That They're not surviving through the NFC gauntlet. Jacksonville is in the Schlitz category. They're just completely coming undone at the seams. I would... I, I, it's not to poke the bears out there. You know, the last thing I want to do is tick you off the day after Christmas, but I put the Colts in the Schlitz category. I mean, it's... Listen, I think the Colts are a lot like Gardner Minshew, okay? Think of it this way. I think there are a lot of teams in the NFL that are like a pretty good backup quarterback. Where Take Jake Browning, for instance, with the Bengals. He had a couple of really nice performances in a row. He went out there against Jacksonville, and you're like, holy cow, this guy was like 31 for 37, all those yards. Like, whoa, where did this come from? Nice, you know? He had a couple of really good performances in a row. And then you're like, oh, I see why he's a backup with numerous interceptions against the Steelers, and they're getting clobbered by 23 points. Right? Backup quarterbacks in the NFL, a lot of them, they can be good in short stints, right? Small sample sizes, but over the long haul, way more times than not, you're going to be reminded like, oh, that's why this is a backup quarterback. And there are teams that are just like that. If you look at, just look at week 16 in the NFL. The Patriots have been a wreck this season. And there have been a couple of games as of late where you're like, whoa, well, okay, they beat the Steelers on the road. Wow, didn't see that coming. Oh, they beat the Broncos on the road. Whoa, they scored 20 points in the third quarter. They hadn't scored that many points in a quarter in the last two years. You're just like, whoa, wow. But they're like a backup quarterback where, again, short sample sizes, not bad. Small, little samples, not, not bad at all. Over the long haul, bad. Bad. You're a bad team. The Giants played the Eagles tough. You saw the Raiders. The Raiders just beat the Chiefs. That's the Colts' next opponent. Great example. Just like a backup quarterback. Small stretches, pretty good. Pretty good. Over the long haul, now they're a sub-500 team. (laughs) Yeah, they beat the Chiefs, and that's great. A couple of weeks ago, they got shut out at home against the Vikings. They lost three to nothing. (laughs) Right? So... I think the Colts are like that also. I think the Colts are like a good backup quarterback. They they rival Gardner Minshew a lot. They're, they're a microcosm of Gardner Minshew himself, where Gardner Minshew is a pretty good backup quarterback. He is. He's made some plays happen where I'm like, that that was freaking nice. That was a good read. That was a good throw. That was a great job feeling the rush, moving around, extending the play. I think Gardner, all things considered, as a backup quarterback, has played pretty well. But then you'll see the times where it's like, oh, yeah, that's why he's bounced around a couple of times, and that's why he's not a franchise quarterback. So, And I think that's how the Colts are. If you look at the Colts' results this season, there have been games where you're like, wow, that was nice. That was a big surprise. Or they, they really played well this game. And the last two weeks, 
They're losing 13 to nothing against the Steelers. They allowed a, a punt block, and you're like, oh, my gosh, 13 nothing. Next thing you know, they're scoring 30 unanswered points. And you're like, all right, now we're cooking with grease over here. This is beautiful. And then on Sunday, they're getting smacked around by the Falcons. And I know that they're down a couple of guys. They're missing Michael Pittman Jr. Hey, welcome to the NFL. This is what happens, okay? And even though you're missing a couple of guys, you still have to find a way to at least, at least keep it a close game against an opponent like the Falcons. There's no excuse to only score 10 points and to lose by 19 and give up over 400 yards of total offense to a Falcons team where six times they've been held under 300 yards. There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for not being able to run the ball more effectively and play with more consistency. They got manhandled in the trenches uh, on the offensive side of the ball. There's no excuse for that. So... I just think that, listen, there are a lot of uh, of good signs. Shane Steichen has shown that he can make a lot work with some deficiencies roster-wise. That, that's a great sign going forward. Uh, we talked to, uh, from Pro Football Focus, we talked to Brad Spielberger last hour. And he told me, he was like, if you look at the, the Colts on a play-by-play basis... On a drive-by-drive basis, eh, not the greatest, but they're consistently scoring 20 points, which is a great sign going forward. I look at that more positively than negatively. So there are things to take from this season and say, look, man, on the heels of what they did last year to lose their starting quarterback, you thought this was going to be a completely rebuilding season with Anthony Richardson. You were going to take your lumps. But instead, on the heels of a 4-12-1 season, to be 8-7 and seven, and on the doorstep of a playoff berth, all things considered, that's pretty good. But again, like a backup quarterback, they will show that short sample size, pretty good. Certain results, certain performances, really good. Other performances, uh, yikes, right? That is the characteristic of even good backup quarterbacks where more times than not, there's a tap on the shoulder and it's like, hey, this magic carpet ride, yeah, it's uh, it's coming to an end right now. That's <laughs> how I see it. But with all that being said, be a lot of fun for the Colts to sneak into the playoffs. And can you imagine that would be the matchup right now? Colts would be at the Dolphins. You sign up for that and wild card, wild card weekend in a heartbeat. You know, bring them on. Let's see what happens. Um, but yeah, uh, I think. Listen, the way this season has unfolded for the Colts, uh, way more positives than negatives, and it can be frustrating when you get revved up. You know what I mean? It's really easy. We've all done that at one time or another as NFL fans. Or you might head into a season and you're like, yeah, you know, I'm not expecting great things. <laughs> the roster leaves a lot to be desired. It's this guy's first year. It's yada, yada. I'm not expecting great things. And then all of a sudden, they're doing a lot better than you expected. And then they might win four games in a row. They might rattle off, you know, five out of six wins. And you're like, wow, man, we're eight and six. Okay. All right. I see him. And then it's like, tap on the shoulder, yeah, 
like a backup quarterback, they lost to the Falcons by 19. You know, I, I, I feel like that's where the Colts are. And that's the way the league is. That's what separates the good teams from the great teams. Uh, that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the bad, from the great quarterbacks is that consistency. I'll see it in games. If we're speaking completely honestly, if you just look at quarterbacks in the NFL, even the guys that you would say, ah, man, I just can't trust him or he's bad, every single one of them will have a couple of throws a game where you're like, that was freaking nice. That's why he's an NFL quarterback. And then in those same quarterbacks that you say they leave a lot to be desired or they're bad, they will have a couple of throws where you're like, that's why he's bad. <laughs> that's the way it goes, man. And uh, I, I think it works the same way with teams. I think we get conditioned to thinking you're either one thing all the time or you're not. The truth is even the bad quarterbacks can make some throws and make some plays where you're like, that was unbelievable. There was a great highlight of Sam Darnold with the Jets. And he did not do well, all things considered, in his uh, Jets tenure, right? But there was a play where Sam Darnold... He felt the rush, he escaped, he moved around, he threw on the run. It was a dime right on the money, huge play for the Jets. And you're like, that was a highlight real play. There are a lot of these guys that are capable of doing those things. They just can't do it consistently. And that's the way it works with teams as well. And I think that's where most of these teams in the AFC South are. That's where Jacksonville is. That's where the Colts are. That's where the Texans are. The interesting twist of this turns into when it comes down to an any given Sunday scenario, even in the playoffs, some of these backup quarterback teams are capable in a 60-minute ball game where anything can happen with turnovers and random shenanigans. I want to see, and there aren't teams just towering ahead of all the others. If you look at the AFC, I like the Ravens. They aren't towering over everybody. You know, who do you trust the most? Do you trust the Dolphins? Do you trust the Chiefs? Do you trust the Jags or the Browns? Who do you trust? Who can be trusted? So just like a backup QB, maybe it's their day. You know, I think you could get some random results in the playoffs this year. And so that's... The flip side of it, when I'm sitting here telling you, hey, you're going to be reminded over the long haul, there's a reason why this is a backup quarterback. There's a reason why this is the equivalent, and it's a backup team, if you will. It can swing the other way. And when you're not playing an all-world opponent, I think we could be in store for some major upsets or some results where you're like, man, I did not see that coming at all whatsoever uh by the way while we're talking about the one seeds and the ravens can we do this i want to spin it back to indianapolis for a second did you see lamar at the beginning of that game he's buying time he's rolling to his left in the end zone and an official just lost his balance and fell and he tripped lamar who threw the ball away, but it didn't get back to the line of scrimmage. It's intentional grounding, penalty in the end zone. It's a safety. The Niners were spotted two points because an official just couldn't keep his balance. (laughs) 
(laughs) I've never seen that before. This is what I want to do. And I'm dead serious about this. I want a scouting combine for officials. That's what I want. Just like with the players coming out of college, they go to Indy and they do all the drills and all that. That's what I want for officials. And that guy looked like more so a, a better athlete than a lot of the officials out there. How do we have this consistently where it's like the guy over the middle, maybe 10 yards on the defensive side of the ball, back of the line of scrimmage? How is that the least athletic official on the field? How do we have this? How? How do we still have officials potentially in the way of plays who can't move laterally, forward, or backwards? How? I I want the scouting combine for officials. Maybe we eliminate a few drills. I I don't need to know what they bench press. (laughs) How many times they're repping out 225 or whatever the equivalent for an official is. We whittle it down to 185 or 135. I don't know. But I want to see some agility drills, something. And if you run the 40 in six-plus seconds, I don't want you 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball where a ball could be thrown your direction and you have no chance of moving away from the play. Can we make that happen? I'm so sick of watching these non-athlete officials screw plays up. It happens way too often. Or my favorite is the guy spotting the ball. James, we need to make this happen. Are there some phone calls we could make? Do you have a guy in the league office or someone that runs the combine in Indianapolis where we can get this going? We've got Rich Eisen running the 40. Can't we get officials doing the same thing? The guy spotting the football has to be athletic. I'm not asking him to be Lamar Jackson, but he's got to be able to hustle up and spot the football quickly where you're not like, why is Gramps trying to spot the ball? Why do we have this guy, one, employed, but but two, employed for that specific role? Like, There's got to be a less athletic spot on the officiating crew for that guy, right? I, I feel like that's where we are right now. I feel like that's where it is. Okay. I'm going to take a deep breath. That that was therapeutic, you know? If you have anything you need to get off your chest, feel free to hit me up on Twitter slash X at the no show. If there's anything entertaining, I'll get right to it. But uh, Lamar getting tripped up by a, uh, an official losing his balance, man. I, I'm, I'm so tired of these officials getting in the way, man. It's crazy. All right, we got a lot more to get to. Uh, let's see, as I, I roll through my uh, my list over here. Oh, we checked that off the list. Ooh, ooh, this is good. A Christmas miracle. There was. There was a, a, a hope and a wish that came to life. It came true for one lucky person. I'll share the details. This is a, a head shaker of a story. Like, man, good for that guy. That's on the way. I'm Brian No in for JMV. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 
So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Here's Johnny! Don't! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. Don't! 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian Noen for JMV here on The Fan. By the way, James, next time the Lambs are in Indy, that's the last time I caught them. But um, we'll go, man. We'll oh, go. absolutely. And, yeah. Mark Martin will can hook us up with uh, backstage passes, maybe meet the Lambs, you know? I'd be down for that. I know you'd be up for that. You'd be, and I, I want to report to Mark and say, you see this guy, James? He's my guy. Great lad, sports radio, and he's been playing his guitar plugged in for the entire year of 2024. That's what I would like to tell him and be telling the truth. You know what I'm saying, James? Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I guarantee you, you'll be able to tell that in full honesty. I'm going to get like you. I'm going to get back on and get back on uh, playing the guitar here soon. More than go. I need to be. That's what I like to hear, man. Let's go out to the phones here on the fan. Uh, I love being interactive here. So uh, let's hit it up with Barry first up on the fan. Uh, Barry, what's on your mind, man? Hey, brother. I love hearing you nationally and filling in locally. Well, thanks, Barry. I appreciate that, man. A um, couple things. Diamond Darrell is the guitar god. Man, you got that right. He was amazing. And, and you're uh, failing to uh, the sleeper as much as I hate to say so, but it'd be great for them. Joe Flacco and the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, man. Listen, he's got multiple touchdown passes every start. He's just got an interception every start. But mixed with that defense, they've got a legitimate shot to make some noise. Yes, they do. And I kind of like that. I hate it for my Colts. They need to win out. And we need to get our stuff done. But Cleveland's my sleeper. Yeah, you listen, man, with that defense, uh, they've got a shot. They've got a shot to pull an upset. I mean, think about this right now, Barry. If you look at where the playoffs stand right now, uh, Cleveland, they're a five seed. They'd be matched up against Jacksonville. I mean, I, I like them in that matchup. And then moving forward, imagine if they got uh, the Ravens on the road, that being a divisional game, right? That type of matchup. where. That? Yeah, sure. Yeah, Great I could idea. see. It. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, man, happy holidays to you, Barry. Appreciate you checking in, man. Love listening to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Good stuff. Yeah, I think this is the year for, hey, how about the insert the blank team? You know what I mean? Where it's like, here's the question. Do you see a team in the AFC coming from nowhere or do you see a team in the NFC more likely coming from nowhere you know what I think more people would say and this is the interesting twist I think more people would say I could see that happening in the AFC easier than the NFC because you look at the Niners they have a lot of talent that's going to be a tough tough out isn't that an interesting twist where Baltimore went into San Francisco, won the game by two touchdowns, 
Yet I think, and maybe I'm wrong about this, I still think more people would say, I could see an upset, kind of like, you know, four through seven seed maybe coming out of the AFC easier than I could see it coming out of the NFC. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that's probably what more NFL fans would tell you than not. And it's just funny based on the result last night where Baltimore won. And with that being said, let's go back out to the phones. Bill is with us. He's got some thoughts on the Pacers. I want to hear this. Bill, welcome to the fan, man. What's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? I just wanted to see if you guys are going to be at the, the remote this Friday at Manly's Irish Mud on the on the, uh, on the the Far East side. Like a tenth of shade, and that's where JMV is going to be broadcast from this Friday as far as the website, uh, as far as the website goes. So you guys are going to be out there? Man, I would love to be. I'm going to be out of town, uh, so I won't be there, unfortunately. But, I mean, JMV's the rock star, you know? If you could have me or JMV there, it's JMV all day, you know? So glass is half full with him being out there. Well, man, we got to get you acclimated to the mutt there. Well, if you're not going to be there, I'll go ahead and buy you a beer, but I'll, I'll just be the one that drinks it. So, <laughs> Perfect, man. I appreciate that. No one's bought me a beer for them before. That is great. I love that. Very well done by you. Well, we're said we're good. we're trying to set some trends and everything, but uh, yeah, I want to talk about the Pacers. This is a huge, huge game tonight. I mean, Houston is fifteen and twelve. They're not in the playoff picture in the West. West is, you know, is a better conference, in my opinion, than the East. But uh, the Pacers need to need to show up at this one, and and they need to and they need to really, really compete. And somebody, for God's sake, has to play some some defense. I mean, they're going to rewrite Scrooge and everything, and they're going to have the ghost of defense pass, and it's going to have a Pacer jersey on. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how that's how historically bad that they are. But they're going to have they're going to have to show up if they're going to be, you know, if, if they're going to be uh, uh, the high scoring, high flying team and everything. Then they're going to have to they have to shoot the ball from the outside. And oh, by the way, in the first two weeks in January, we got uh, Boston twice, Milwaukee twice, Atlanta twice, and I think mm. we. We play the Bulls in there too, and it's so by by mid January the 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 playoff picture, even though it's a little bit of ways and everything, but with the standings, I mean the Pacers could really really fall. They could they could they could hold serve, they could continue to surge, which I don't think they're going to do, but they could definitely fall. And uh, uh, just like uh, this the, the Colts game this weekend against against Las Vegas, that's a trap game. Las Vegas has a lot to play for. They're, they they can still they can still uh, qualify for the playoffs if everything if everything goes right for them. So they're they're motivated and they're having a good season as well. I I, I just don't look I I just don't look to see that the the Colts are going to show up. I think the Colts are going to mail it in like UPS. Wow, interesting. Well, here's the thing. I, I got a couple of things for you. First off, with the Pacers, which drives you crazier? Okay, is it the defense underperforming again, or or is it what they're actually good at, offense underperforming, where you've got an 18-point quarter to close it out? in the fourth quarter against the Magic, where I I hear everything that you're saying, and it's frustrating to watch them defensively. But what they're great at is offense, and I'm tearing my hair out more when they're not performing well offensively. And I'm like, how are they stuck in the mud? They do such a great job way more times than not. And to close a game against the Magic and you give us an 18-point quarter, that makes me tear my hair out more. Are you the same way, or is it the defensive side that, that makes you go crazy? 
Well, the defensive uh, uh, defensive side makes me buy an extra six pack a night. I, I can tell you, I can tell you that much. I mean, the way that they the way they play, there's just no help whatsoever, and and uh, you know, it's just the fact that teams have figured out now that they can spread the floor and just drive the, the lane on the Pacers, and and uh, if if you get Miles out of position where he can't block the shots, and you know, then then you've got nothing. So. I don't know. Carlisle's got to figure this out. If he figures it out, he's coach of the year because I because it would be one of the greatest turnarounds that I'd ever seen. And and uh, I, as far as uh, uh, drafting quarterbacks, I think that uh, what the Colts should do is uh, in, in in 25 they need to draft a quarterback, get him on that five year rookie con contract and then you don't really plan on playing him until he's in number three year of the contract and then you just let him go after after the five years because you can't afford we we can't the Colts are proven you can't afford to pay somebody like a quarterback the bank and then and then try to get by with everything else it has to be a well-rounded team so you'll be interesting to see what the what what they come up with but uh but you know the high really high price quarterback that's not gonna work here just not gonna work here well, hey, man, I appreciate you checking in, Bill. Happy holidays to you, man, for you sure. You do the same, man. Yeah, thank you. Um, look, man, I look at it differently. Uh, listen, if you look at teams around the NFL, and there's a reason why they do it this way, when they get an upper echelon quarterback, when they get a legitimate franchise quarterback, they all pay that guy. Because the odds are so slim that you're going to be able to find a legitimate franchise type quarterback on the cheap on a rookie deal. You know, it's not like college where name your university, um, Georgia or Alabama or one of those upper echelon teams where they have a a better chance of reloading with maybe a four or a five star quarterback and they just keep it moving along. The NFL is different. There's a draft. You don't get, you know, your pick of a four or five star talent coming out of college every single year. So the chances of doing it that way, listen, I understand the thought where in Indianapolis, and that's the way he prefaced it specifically, it hasn't worked. That doesn't mean it, it can never work. And there's a reason why there are teams that are in comparable positions roster wise where um, look at uh, the Chargers have a good amount of talent. They're just really underperforming. But all these teams, if we're speaking honestly, even the most talented teams, every NFL team has holes. And you just don't let go of a the most valuable commodity in the NFL, which is a franchise quarterback. You don't just say, well, let's go cheap and uh, let's try to Brock Purdy this thing. (laughs) Your odds of finding the next Brock Purdy, even for a couple of years of giving you like top of the league sort of statistics, it just, your odds are so long. To close the show, I have um, a miracle. There was a guy who had a parlay. The payout was nearly 10 million to one. That, those were the odds. It was nearly 10 million to one, and he hit it. And you might look at this, and I'll rattle it off here in a bit. And you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I could see that happening. Yeah, that makes, uh, yeah, that's actually a really good bet. His odds were nearly 10 million to one. And I think it can be similar to how we think about quarterbacks, where we think, hey, you know, just go the cheap route, 
get a guy out of college, you know, milk it for about five years, and then to find the next guy. That might work for running back, but not quarterback. Like, it's crazy that the Packers were able to do what they've done, or the Colts were able to do what they did, where it goes from Favre to Rodgers, it went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, and yeah, it was cut short, but you're talking about six years of really good production, all things considered. There are a lot of teams that are looking at the Colts with great envy, great envy to go from an all-timer in Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck. Even that seldomly happens. So to further it and say, yeah, don't trade up and and get a guy in the first round. Just try to Russell Wilson third round it (laughs) or Brock Purdy it. I just, man, that's... That's so much easier said than done to make that a legitimate um, approach where I there's a reason why these quarterbacks like think about this, too. I, I think some teams have screwed it up before, but the Giants didn't even let Daniel Jones go. Right. And you could argue they should have. But it just shows you how these teams, they cling on to a quarterback like they're in the ocean with no boat around, and they've got like a floaty that they're just holding on to. That's how teams think of quarterbacks. And uh, there's a reason. I think way more times than not, it's the better way to go uh, when you have a legitimate guy. It can get dicey when you get your, your Daniel Jones or that sort of realm. It's like you're not good enough to win a Super Bowl. What are you doing? If that's the boat that you're in, if that's the situation you're in, yeah, I'd look to go back to the draft. But if you've got a legitimate top 10 type guy, uh, no. No, I don't let that guy go at all. Okay, feel free to check in, man. We still got a little bit of time. Great hearing from you. Uh, And I pay this off. The Christmas miracle that has a Colts connection. I'll throw that at you before we get get on out of here. I'm Brian No in for JMV. Keep it locked right here on The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, I was just thinking about this. I will get a Raiders tattoo if the Raiders end up winning the AFC West. James, make sure you're rolling on this. I'm a man of my word. I will make it happen. I'm Brian, though, in for JMV. Let's state that for the record here on The Fan. The Raiders are not winning out. The Chiefs are not losing out for the Raiders to win the AFC West. I just, I don't see that happening at all. There's a better chance that, you know, both teams split or the Chiefs win out, the Raiders lose out. I don't see the Chiefs losing to both the Bengals and the Chargers. I have a hard time seeing that. And even the Raiders winning out, they'd have to win against the Colts. And they'd also have to win against Denver, which is not a layup. So you can even choose it, James. You can choose the Raiders theme tattoo of choice if the Raiders win the AFC West. I will hold you to that. Fair enough. Fair enough. There are worse things than having a Raiders tattoo, I feel like. Even being a non-Raiders fan, I've... (laughs) I've said many things in the past, and if I had to get the tattoo, it would have been a way worse outcome than a Raiders logo or whatever. Uh, Real fast, before we get to Doug, 
a Christmas miracle. There was a guy that won a 14-leg bet. He had a 14-leg parlay bet on touchdowns being scored. He had 14 different NFL players scoring a touchdown. And it came down to, on Christmas Day yesterday, DeAndre Swift of the Eagles, who scored a touchdown right away. It was reviewed and overturned. And so this guy had to sweat it out. DeAndre Swift scored. Christian McCaffrey scored in the nightcap. This guy bet $5 and won almost a half million bucks. He won over $489,000 on a $5 bet. The Colts connection, he had Jonathan Taylor scoring a touchdown. And think about that. That was the only touchdown the Colts scored. JT got stuffed from the one-yard line on first down, on second down, and then he scored on third down. How many teams just like, well, this isn't working. Let's try to throw it or do something else. The Colts stuck with it three straight running plays, and God bless him, JT got in the end zone, and this guy won nearly a half million dollars on a $5 bet. That is unreal. But Christmas miracle comes to life. Uh, we've got Doug. Wants to chime in here real quick on the fan. What's going on, Doug? Hey, how you doing? Good, man. Good. Um, I was going to make a comment about uh, that the last caller that was talking about, um, you know, sign a quarterback and then play him in year three and then cut him loose, you know, like a quick turnover type of thing, like the way you would treat a running back. Obviously, I think we know that that's – you're always going to pay your quarterback. You can get the franchise guy. I do think, though, maybe sort of subconsciously, maybe he's echoing this thing, I think, that's kind of transcending the NFL right now. You've got Steichen for one. You've got Kyle Shanahan. Uh, McDaniel's the guy from Cleveland. I mean, you know, it's no secret that that it seems like you know lesser than quarterbacks, so to speak, backups, whatever you want. Even the starting quarterbacks that have been for a few years are a product of coaching. You know, where it's they. I think at some point when Brady and Manning were on the cusp of retiring, you had Rivers and Breeze and at least you know eight to a dozen quarterbacks in the league that were pretty dominant actual franchise guys. Even Matt Ryan at one time. You know maybe coaches are getting impatient and just started taking this approach where, you know, they script in options, you know, uh, it's more of a control freak scenario. Um, there is a little bit different breed of coach out there, you know, now. And I think that they're really taking control and the reins and, and giving them options instead of, you know, uh, just like Venturi was talking about after the last, the game before last, where, you know, Steichen gives Minshew uh, uh, like fail safe options a lot of the time. And so, not to say that these quarterbacks aren't good, but their quarterbacks right now are more a product of coaching than it ever has been. So it just seems like they're less of an MVP type of team member than they than a quarterback would typically be associated as having. Maybe that's maybe what he's echoing. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get. You know what I mean? It doesn't yeah. kind of seem like that now. No, I hear you, Doug. And listen, man, I appreciate you checking in, man. Happy holidays to you. It, listen, coaching matters a lot. The talent around you matters a heck of a lot. I just if you put. Brock Purdy on one of the lesser teams in the NFL, his numbers aren't the same. That that all goes into it. But look, man, you can tell who the talented difference makers are and who the products of the system or coaching are as well. And in the long run, you're going to pay for going the cheap way. It's just hard to go cheap and make it work. Um, by the way, my favorite quote of the weekend from Trevor Lawrence, Jags quarterback, they've lost four straight. He just got manhandled by Tampa. He said, it doesn't even look like we practice. 
is <laughs> my favorite quote of the weekend. Um, by the way, real fast, James, Christmas Day meal had some fondue with the family. We do it a little bit differently, so we cut up individual chunks of steak. We put it in the pot, boil it, and then we have melted Velveeta cheese that, that you great. dip it into. Oh, James, I'm hoping it's a new Christmas tradition because it was wonderful. Next time, James, we're busting out the guitars and jamming. Okay? Good hanging with you, man. Everybody enjoy the holiday season. We'll see you.